0: And welcome to the Mid Max Show, a good place to forget bad things. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by a very dressed-up Kyle Hilliard. Hello, thank you. Okay, why so fancy today, man?
1: Uh, I stream on Thursday. When I stream on Thursdays, I wear a suit because it's it's weird and a funky thing to do that makes me look different than most streamers. So it's Thursday, so I'm still wearing it. It's an
0: ode to Funky Kong. Jeff Marquefava is here. Hey, welcome. And Sergio Vasquez. Hey. And then, oh my God, it's gonna be a nightmare today. <laughs> and then we have Blake Hester.
2: Hello, thank you for having me. So, long long time fan, first time caller.
0: That's very sweet. Yeah, he just called in. He's a fan who figured out the number on Discord. It's it's miraculous.
3: We had to let him in. Yep. Yeah, it's too bad Discord doesn't have a way to drop people from calls. Or the...
0: We're panicking. We don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, Blake is a former uh, Game Informer intern. Uh, when were you an intern, right. Blake? Uh,
2: I will believe summer 2016. Okay, Sounds you were right.
0: in uh, what we, um, no offense to anybody else, but what we call the good batch uh yes it was a real dream team it included leo vader as the video intern that's right that's, that's right. right uh AJ, aj moser yes and Haley. and
2: yeah sorry i was kind of like just interjecting and taking your <laughs> your lines there
0: <laughs> that's the goal for today's podcast just for you to take my lines and take my life uh blake and now you have a podcast with them called game query with that entire crew
4: <laughs>
2: Yes, yes. Um, game query, making sure all of us but Leo remain unemployed forever. <laughs> oh, um, no, no. Yeah, it's a cool podcast that we do. Uh, it started as like a way just for us to stay in touch because we, you know, formed really solid friendships over that internship. We, uh, it's like a weird satire of the video game podcast, kind of like.
0: Is that how you're taking... pitching
2: it? Uh, sure, okay, a very okay. crass satire of the video game podcast format but also we've like ventured into making our own zine and we do streams and charity events so it's really fun that's and, uh, awesome and you had me hanging out with my best friends
0: yeah you had me on uh for a charity stream recently and you had what should have been a dream come true where you had me on you said <laughs> all right we're gonna do trivia it's trivia about final fantasy 7 trivia about twilight zone mm-hmm. And trivia about the band AFI, and I bombed all of them, and then I actually (laughs) tried to jump out the window. Uh, It was a fun end to the live stream.
2: That's right. And in my defense, we had a much better thing planned for your segment. But uh-huh. Leo, about 10 minutes before we went live, said, oh, I don't think we can stream Warzone. My computer can't handle it. So we had to <laughs> rush to figure out what to do
0: instead. Well, that's fine. Uh, now you're in the freelance world and we have a lot of stuff to unpack with you in this episode mm-hmm. of the Min-Max show. Uh, we're talking about Ghost of Tsushima, uh, the new gameplay that was revealed in a Sony State of Play live stream. We're going to be talking about... A surprising reveal from Nintendo, surprising win, maybe not what, of Paper Mario, the Origami King. Uh, We're going to be talking about, I guess, the reveal of next-gen graphics with Unreal Engine 5 and a bunch of stuff that was actually running on a PlayStation 5, which is exciting to unpack a little bit here. And then, uh, we love Blake, but the primary reason Blake is here is to unpack the remake of Tony Hawk 1 and 2, which Jeff Keighley was gracious enough to gift the internet with this week. Uh, Blake, you are the world's biggest Tony Hawk fan. How would you um, explain that? How
2: would I explain why I'm the biggest, the world's biggest Tony Hawk fan?
0: No, how would you?
1: Yeah, name, how would you <laughs> name four Tony Hawks, Blake. How would you? Like... There's to- Tony, 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 and Tony. <laughs> okay,
0: but how would right. you explain your fandom and your level of fandom for this series?
2: I don't know because, like, Tony Hawk's Underground, the first one, is my all-time favorite game of. Ever. Like, yeah. a, year over year, it's somehow one of my most played games. Like, in 2018, I probably played it more than any other game I played that year. <laughs> um, I don't know what it, what it is. There's, like, obviously some amount of rose tint and nostalgia to it because I really loved those games growing up, especially Underground. But they also are just... They hold up super well. Like, they're super great arcade games to play even 15 years on. Yeah. And... I think like their place in pop culture is super interesting and that kind of maybe is why I like them so much is their influence on a lot of the things I like outside of video games like my taste in music or even TV or the skateboarding industry. Right. So it's just like a series I have a lot of love for based on kind of it's impact on pop culture and of course just playing those games
0: and it's also very fun yeah but i like having you on because you're a little bit younger than most of us or you're a young lad too but in my mind i guess a, an old man's perspective it's like well tony hawk you know the early ones are absolutely amazing and then your mind's <laughs> sure. like oh no thug is the way to go absolutely so i love having this full yeah. range to talk about so how did you feel about uh, the big reveal of tony hawk's pro skater one and two being remade and when's it coming out At the end of this year september right
2: yeah, I, I think it's in a few months. Um, I think it's cool. Like, it makes sense if you maybe ignore the fact that Robomoto already put out those games in the Tony Hawk HD collection. Okay, let's but... just,
0: okay that is the weird thing. It, it feels like it wasn't that right. long ago, but you look and it's like, oh, it was 2012. They announced Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which was kind of like, hey, everybody, we're remaking this. And the world got very excited and then we played it and said, not so much. And then we played Tony Hawk's Pro sure. Skater 5 and said, absolutely not. And then now people forget and it's just like this cycle in the
1: mobile game i'm sorry there's
0: the mobile game but the world (laughs) just kind of forgets and it fades with time and now they can have a big marketing splash out there being like hey Mm -hmm. tony hawk's back everybody remember the warehouse it's like hell yeah i do and the world is excited (laughs) again it's a beautiful cycle of the internet
2: i mean i think like it makes sense on a few different levels like there's the obvious nostalgia for the Tony Hawk series as people get older, like they want to revisit some of those games, but especially one and two compared to, you know, four or the underground series, those games are harder to revisit. They do not play as well. As you remember, I had to play one again last year for an article and it's rough.
4: Really? Um, Cause I, that was one of my
0: favorite it, games more than any other Tony Hawk. I played the hell out of one and in my yeah, mind, it's perfect. I, I don't want to go back to it almost.
2: I I think I'm a fairly competent Tony Hawk player at this point, and I struggle with one like with basic moves. Um, so I think that's a big reason why they're coming back. But also, like weirdly, just skateboarding games are coming back. Like in the past few years, there have been a bunch of announcements. There have been a few solid, like solid skateboarding games that came come at that, that came out. Sorry. Yeah. Um, special shout out to Snowman who put out Skate City on iPhones. Like that team's awesome, and that game is awesome. So it feels like a really good time, even if it's like a remake of a remake of the original game. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Like, I don't know if it was because there were rumors bubbling about Tony Hawk. But before this announcement even happened over the weekend, I finally downloaded Skater XL on Steam, mm. which is in early access. It's going to be released, I believe, in early July. Um And it is very much in that skate lineage. Also, Sessions, yeah.
2: Sessions, w- what is it, Blake? session i believe
0: session also very much in that skate vibe a little more realistic and skater excel as it stands now i had a good time with it but it's pretty bare bones so i'm curious what it actually looks like when it releases hopefully there's a killer mm. soundtrack in there or something because it's kind of just doing technical kickflips in a parking lot at this point you know which she. still surprisingly fun
2: yeah i uh i never got super into the like techie side of skateboarding games like i was always super into like the arcadey games more than like i i think i've maybe played skate 2 for like a few minutes and bounced off it really quick. Oh, really but like i'm also stoked that there is still an audience for that kind of game even if those aren't the specific skateboarding games that resonate with me a lot you know yeah.
0: kyle i assume you're a big tony hawk fan because you're a
1: smart guy yeah uh <laughs> I, yeah i love tony hawk i think my starting line was actually three uh, and then I kind of went back and played one and two and four a ton. And I actually I like Thug a lot. Like I feel like mm-hmm. Thug doesn't get the respect it deserves. But there's actually sure. like the weird thing about Thug and Thug Two is like weirdly compelling story. Like I wanted to see it to the end. What? You know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have a good villain. And like I, I like the reason <laughs> I beat that game is because like I want to see what happens. Who is it? Like mm. a cop that like it's threatens just a, you like for your graffiti? idiot neighbor, right? Who's yeah. A
2: total jerk. Eric Sparrow is his name, which is like, it's just, it's a terrible name too. But now I'm just now realizing that his name is like, almost like Tony Hawk, where it's yep. name and Bird. Yep. Eric Sparrow,
1: I never realized that. Boring name plus Bird. The first thing I did after the announcement was which is the same thing a lot of people did, is like, oh, I own Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD for Xbox Live Arcade. Is mm. it backwards? It's, let me go check if it's backwards compatible. I'll download it. And it's not. Yep. Like, you have to break out a 360 to play that game or a PS3. Okay. Also,
0: guess. they delisted it in 2017 because I'm like, I'm excited to check this thing out. I want to go back and look at that. Uh, I, I can't didn't know have that. It anywhere. Yeah. So if anybody has it um, uh, for the cohorts or anybody else, I would love to find a way to stream that because I think it is this bizarre relic in, this, in the story of Tony Hawk. But, you know, you mentioned... Uh, Tony Hawk 3, Kyle, the weird thing is, so Vicarious Visions is making this remake, and they did an amazing job in 2018 with the Crash Bandicoot uh, remake, and so people have a lot of faith in them overall. They also, going back, because they've been around forever, um, mm-hmm. they also were the ones that like ported Tony Hawk 3 and 4 to the original PlayStation and like Game Boy Advance. Like They have a history oh. with the series. Who knows if there's any developers from back in the day that are still working on it now, but it's a good choice for the team. Um, did anybody check out the gameplay footage on jack black's youtube channel no i did I yeah did not. it's a weird Watch the whole thing thing it's, it's fun too because they're like <laughs> apparently it was filmed a while ago because they're all hanging out and high fiving each other and stuff but they like go to a, a skate park and then like Almost all the skaters just show up and are skating there. So it's like this amazing thing. of like, oh, Kareem Campbell. There's a name I haven't heard in a long time. They're like, Chad yeah. Muska is a big old dork for Jack Black. Okay, and Rodney Mullen's exactly as cool as you expect him to be. Talking yeah, about MIT Rodney mullen stuff. got like
1: a, like a degree, they had like an honorary doctorate from some <laughs> college or something. And he's like, I don't know why they gave that to me. Yeah. Uh, it amazing. actually it prompted me, which I'm guessing a lot of people did this too. It prompted me to pull up his Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 video that you unlock when you play as Rodney Mullen. It's like, the best.
0: It's the best. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I, I tried showing my girlfriend that video recently. She's like, look at this. And she's like, that's cool, it looks like a skateboarder. I'm like, looks like a skateboarder. Like, this is the second coming <laughs> of
1: fan has an honorary doctorate. Yeah, are you kidding me? He's
0: doing it to AFI's song. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the crazy thing about seeing that gameplay then, not only that it was revealed on Jack Black's channel, uh, but just seeing how fast it looked. Like, it, you forget... That, oh, yeah, the warehouse is pretty small, and you're really booking it around there, like, in the first Tony Hawk. And then also the weird thing is mm-hmm. they don't animate you getting up. It's just, like, do you notice this, Kyle? Like, if you uh you bail, is that what skaters say? Um, then it's just, like, this weird glitch, and then the character is, like, standing up again. Like, it has more of, like, a yeah. abstract mm-hmm. presentation for that aspect than I was expecting.
1: I, I mean, that's, like, an early version. I mean, that's, like, a build from before the pandemic even right right, that they were playing so but i think i like that just to get you back in the action really quickly i like it conceptually
0: you know yeah you're not going to complain about the lack of realism but i'm sorry uh, jeff i surreal are you guys tony hawk fans is it just assumed that every smart gamer is a tony hawk fan
5: oh yeah i i started with the i the first time i played it was like the demo that they used to have in stores which was just ingenious because they let you play for like a minute and after that you're like oh i have to get this now oh, i need yeah. to play longer than a minute at a time
0: yeah exactly uh, but I,
5: I yeah i started with the original and played you know i probably ended up falling off around thug at that point because there there were a lot of tony hawk games back in the day but
0: oh yeah
3: so yeah Paul, do you have a history with tony hawk it was a game that I think was some... I, I would play it at my friends' houses all the time. They'd have, like, different versions of that game. Um, but I think the one I played most was was actually, like, Thug 2. And then uh, later on, I played a lot of the, the DS version of American Wasteland, which they called American Skateland. Oh, but I wow. liked that one because it was portable. And when you live in a house with four siblings, you need all the screens you can get. So I played that one uh, quite a lot. It was actually... it was. It was okay, you know, but it it had, like, the Tony Hawk act. It wasn't, like, the 2D ones. It was, a, like, a full 3D game, and it looked like garbage, but it played, like, the 3D ones, which is what I wanted. So, right, I, those right. are those, those are the two that I played most, are Thug 2 and American Skateland.
0: Yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, so, with the remake, they're kind of bending the remake thing. It's, like, one and two... But they're still going to put the revert in there, which I think was three that added that, is that what they said? Um, and then also, like, the manual from two will be in one. So the way they pitch it is, like, the tricks you remember doing a lot were going to kind of re-engineer them into the basics, even for the Tony Hawk 1 stuff, which is cool to see. But, Blake, is there anything you want from this remake in general?
2: uh i mean the thing i i would have wanted is the updated controls or mechanics like the reaver and manual for yeah. it to be kind of like the complete package in terms of tricks outside of that like i don't i don't think i need some like final fantasy 7 style remake of the thug story or Wouldn't
1: anything be cool, but it
3: w- you never leave the it, warehouse you yeah. <laughs> no, are w- trying to stop tony hawk from
2: <laughs> <laughs> it would be rad though and i i assume this is the like uh the monetization scheme or whatever is to make dlc packs of like here's tony Hawk pro skater 3 all the levels here's four here's underground here's underground 2 and then don't worry about project a onward but um Although, I, that's like what i, I mean, would want
0: but if if this thing sells well i do believe it'll sell well no matter what uh then they could make Tony Hawk 3 and 4 remake and I feel like it's right there so I don't know if they, how much they'd really want to pack into this thing sure. if they really don't need to because people assumed they were going to do that for the Crash remake and then with uh Crash Team Racing like oh but they're going to pack it in and then they ended up selling it on its own for 40 bucks and I believe it sold like gangbusters you know so I think oh, yeah. Activision can really milk the hell out of this thing more than sure we would like um I will
2: say real quick the yeah. one thing I'm interested in is the the licensing around Tony Hawk's name for this
0: yeah which
2: I don't know if anyone's talked about it like what Activision has the rights to anymore but the agreed upon story about why five was such a disaster is it was rushed out because Activision was losing the rights to Tony Hawk's name right so I don't know if they have that again or if they just have the rights to Tony Hawk Pro Skater and they are able to republish that but I'm super interested and what that could mean for possible future Tony Hawk games, and yeah. whether or not there will be.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you have an interesting history with Tony Hawk, uh, not the man, but the uh, the games. But then also right. with uh, NeverSoft, the original developers. So you do a lot of freelance stuff. Yeah. You've written a, a bunch of amazing articles for Polygon in particular. And so you, okay, walk me through this. You went to Montana and hung out with the founder of NeverSoft.
2: One of the founders, there are three founders of Neversoft it's Joel Jewett, uh, Mick West, and Chris Ward. And Joel Jewett is he was basically like the figurehead of Neversoft in their entire like reputation and company culture. He's kind of just like rock party dude, (laughs) like that's his whole thing. And he, yeah, after Activision, after Neversoft was folded into Infinity Ward, he retired from the game industry. And didn't move out to Montana, per se, because he is from Montana and still had a home there that he would bounce to and from while he was living in California, working at Neversoft. But yeah, I went out and visited him, and he's, like, a madman. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> he's, he's, he's an amazing dude. Like, he's a super sweet dude, and his family is, like, very inviting and very warm, but he's also just, like... I don't know bear grills or something out there in the wildlands. Like, within ten minutes of meeting the dude, he's throwing me on speedboats, and at some point, I'm on like a four wheeler in the mountains during a hailstorm and riding, riding horses around these dangerous trails. Like, he's crazy. Um,
0: <laughs> How? Okay, stop. Okay, this is the amazing thing. Okay, uh, very few people. Would think of writing this story and then actually be like, you know what, I'm gonna get on a plane and actually fly to Montana to sure. not. R- I mean, talk about the history of NeverSoft and the history of Tony Hawk, but primarily for that kind of like experiential writing. He's talk about that process and why you think that's important to like go on a speedboat with a NeverSoft developer.
2: Um, it's a few things. I think I do need to say up front that this article actually wasn't my idea. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough, it was my longtime friend. And like editor, Matt Leone at Polygon, who is kind of the brainchild of this one, he was like, I think probably as a joke was like, what if I sent you to Montana to hang out with Joel? And I was like, well, you've said it now I have to do it. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm willing to do it because I think and this is not exclusive to Joel Jewett, like I've done a lot of these stories where I find video games in weird places or, you know, get myself into the homes of game developers to see what their life outside of work is like, because I think it's an important to humanize people like this. Like Joel Jewett is probably pretty well known in our circle, but no one knows the person behind this, like beloved studio and beloved franchises. Not that he made the games by himself. He had a lot of employees, but like it's, it's important, I think, to put a face to company names, like talking to Joel Jewett or talking to anyone from Neversoft. I've I've interviewed Mick West and a bunch of the others mm. before. So, just like actually going there and showing, like, this is a human that helped make these things we love is super, super important. Yeah. Like, and for then Chris, add- sake,
0: you went to Columbia to talk mm-hmm. to the founder of uh, Rockstar San Diego, the Red Dead team, yeah. and stuff, uh, but he has since left. Uh, but Seemed like he was just living a life of luxury in Colombia and has an amazing house and, like, runs a restaurant. (laughs) It seems so wild.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Diego was a completely different thing than Joel. Joel, you know, is, like, a high-octane dude, but Diego is more maybe what you would expect from a retired game developer where he just kicks his feet up and enjoys his beers and, like, hangs out, but, um... yeah. I, I don't know. I think those stories are important. I, I've been criticized before for focusing on like CEOs of companies, which I mm-hmm. guess is maybe a fair criticism. Um, but I also think it's important just to put a name behind any video game. And Joel Jewett is a fascinating person. And I think his story post Neversoft was worth telling. So Yeah. I did
0: uh, it. What did you learn about you know post NeverSoft is great. What did you learn about uh, Peak NeverSoft? First of all, did you figure out wh- whose idea was that logo, that horrific, horrific logo? Yeah, I asked about that. I th- if I
2: I'm, pa- I'm trying to remember, I think it was Chris Ward, one of the co-founders, that made it. And probably the way Joel explained it was was badass. <laughs> like, and that was it. Um,
0: also, Peak the name Neverso- is the name uh, just a dick joke.
2: Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the story I'm told is that one of Joel's friends came up with it in his garage while they were drinking beers. So,
1: <laughs> checks there out. You go.
2: And it, it, if I'm getting my, my lore correct on their business cards back in the day, was always hard, never soft. So, yeah, you know, you know it's, either you a, it's either a dick joke or a joke about like, you know, partying hard or whatever. Right, right, right. To be a different fair. Time
5: in the industry. To be fair, though, Min Max was also a dick joke.
0: Yeah, people are <laughs> so. picking up on that. There's a lot of genitalia jokes strewn throughout mm-hmm. all of Min Max's content, and we really need people to pick up on it. I mean, uh, sure. You keep two ends and no one gets it. No one gets it. Uh, it's crazy. I, when I went to um, Infinity Ward, like the last time I was there for the Modern Warfare uh, remake with Game Informer, It was that confusing thing where we went for a tour of the studio and it's like, oh, yeah, this hallway is kind of the remnants of Neversoft. And within Infinity War, the color developer, they just have like this hallway where it's all these skateboards signed by all the skaters and stuff. It's like this weird museum ode to the old days of Neversoft. It's weird to connect those studios now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't presume to speak for anyone that worked at Neversoft or works at Infinity Ward now, but I have heard people talk in the past about how like that zombies crew at Infinity Ward which I don't I don't know if they still have a zombies crew at this point. The lead guy but left, th- yeah. Yeah, at some point it was made up of a lot of uh, Neversoft people, and it was described to me as like, oh, that's like the mini Neversoft still around there floating as these dudes making these wacky zombie modes for Infinity Ward's Call of Duties. Um, Yeah,
0: which is honestly, I mean, who knows with Jason Blundell leaving, how much is going to stay intact? But that is one of the most eye-opening experiences I've honestly had in the video game industry of like, yeah, Call of Duty Zombies, I get it, it's zombies. Some people like it, some people don't, whatever. And then talking to that team... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about, uh, Treyarch actually. Uh, mm. Jason <laughs> up there. Um, that's confusing, but, um, but at Treyarch then just taking that deep dive into like, here's some of the zombies lore. Here's some of the insane things we've been doing. It is like this subculture within the Call of Duty community. That's just overflowing and passionate and creative. And it's just Easter yeah. eggs. And it's all just this elaborate puzzle. It's amazing, but okay. Back on track, Tony Hawk. Um, new features you guys this time around with this remake uh they're adding like the create a park stuff which is cool online multiplayer with like still all the old modes so you can still play pagan horse all that fun stuff um and they the confusing wording is they say we'll have some of the songs from the original games they're not getting everything but they confirmed like papa roach uh goldfinger primus leg wagon naughty by nature bad religion the machine dead kennedy's uh <laughs> Mill and Colin, which is a band I haven't thought about for a long time, Power Man 5000. Um, so they have some of the big ones. They'll have Superman in there. They'll have Jerry was a race car driver, which I've heard
3: 3,000 times in my
0: life, and I'm not sure why. So, hey, good times.
3: They need more Del the Funky Homo Sapien, and that's my that's my only request. Yeah? Other than that, Delta, 3, right? He yeah. Was predominantly in 3. Well, look, they added features well. from the newer ones into the uh... older ones. Just- <laughs> Make that one of those. I
1: mean, I, why is music licensing so complicated? I mean, they have Call of Duty money. Can't they just throw money at these
3: artists? Or I
4: have
1: is it no just not worth it to them? I, I think contracts no are
3: just like messed up and that they just don't account for this kind of stuff. So I, guess. I don't think it's impossible, but just like, I, I think it's just headache inducing more than like, yeah, no, it, it's more about it being not worth it than like, oh, this is impossible yeah just, yeah like why would you not want to be
1: in that game whether you're the, whether you're the person who owns the music or you're the band like it just seems like a no brainer I don't it's kinda
0: I think the people that own the music they don't care it's some lawyer, you know it's not there's no passion involved or well, even knowledge of what this thing is, but it's money
1: well,
2: there's money. like <laughs> there's weird things where con- there you can get the rights to a composition of a song versus the master of it and So that's like two different rights you'd have to buy to get an actual track in it. But also a lot of those bands probably have shifted labels at some point. And it's like, where does the rights to the song or where does this Mm. album like, where does that exist? Is it on X label or Y label and might be just hard to it's kind of like the no one lives forever story that came out a while back. It's like who actually owns the rights to whatever Papa Roach song they're trying to get in there, you know?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Remember when games used to just let you add your own music to them? No, that's a legend. Like the, no one the recalls Xbox thing. I don't know why they don't do that anymore. <laughs> I know. The PlayStation has a, the Spotify
3: app you can play yeah. over. Was it dangerous your, driving?
0: Like yeah, you I think it's. All
3: your Spotify playlists? I, it's also a universal what? feature. Like You can just play yeah. Spotify over any game yeah. at this point. Just so you can just put headphones on and listen to other stuff while you're playing the game. That checks out. Works out for us. I only no listen licensing. to Millen.
2: When I played Red Dead, I only listened to Mill and Colin. That's really smart, (laughs) man.
0: That's really smart. It made a lot
2: of those moments maybe not resonate as (laughs) much as Rockstar thought they were going to, but it worked out for me.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was kind of... I'm excited for the remake, but there's a part of me where it's like, oh, I was hoping Vicarious Visions was making a new Crash game or doing something bigger and more bold on the Activision side than this. I mean... I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since the Crash game came out. I can't imagine the full team was dedicated to this and they're also probably still helping with support with other things. Uh, Call of Duty here and there. Uh, But yeah, I hope hope they're still making an original Crash game and this isn't fully consuming the studio as excited as I am for this. But uh, also, it was fun to see this as the big uh, Jeff Keighley reveal this week you know when the week started we were debating about what we're going to do with the min show we didn't know if they're going to be the news and it turns out Jeff Keighley comes swinging in on a vine and, and saves the day with his summer game fest the big kickoff here even though Tony you Hawk kind of spoiled it I was about to say you know what's weird about that is like Tony Hawk texted everybody
1: that the game was coming. <laughs> okay, stop. And then, I, like I don't uh, what what does that mean? I was so confused why people were saying a, that. A few months ago you could sign up. He posted this video. He's like, Hey, here's my phone number. All of it you're basically getting on an email newsletter. Yeah. But it's just texted to you, is all it is ultimately. Yeah. Okay. But that happened and then also like ten minutes before the stream started, the trailer was tweeted out by the Tony Hawk Twitter account. Like what? Keely is odd. Like, it's still living. exciting, but it's like, it's. like I'm still confused about what Summer Game Fest is exactly. It's, I think
4: I know.
2: It, is, it had also been leaked like 10 times before this. Like, Jason Dill, who's a pro skater, he leaked it like a week ago on the Nine Club podcast. And I think it was just an open secret at this point. Maybe Tony was like, I don't care anymore about NDAs.
0: Yeah. You know, can you imagine... Oh, poor Jeff Keighley, when it all comes down to exclusives. It's so <laughs> nice with Min-Max to be out of that exclusive game, by and large, sure. you know. Um, but imagine being Keeley, just like, okay, I need to be sure to coach Tony Hawk through this, that he can't tweet about this. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure Tony Hawk's just like, whatever. I'll just tweet about it when I want to. Fans are bugging me every single day about it. Like, big whoop, Jeff Keighley. You want your summer game test yeah. to go well. Like, who cares? Well, let's just blast well, it mean, out.
1: The ones that recognize Tony Hawk are bothering him.
0: Yeah, so what's that weird trend? <laughs> Do you want to explain that, Kyle? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Tony Hawk tweets a lot
1: about how people walk up to him and and are like, hey, has anyone ever told you you look a lot like Tony Hawk? And that's
0: like his life, I guess. No one believes he's actually Tony Hawk. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, I had to dig out the old photo, but uh at E3. It must have been when they were unveiling Tony Hawk 5 or something like that. And there's this weird moment. I don't know if any of you were in the booth, but we're in like the Game Informer booth, which is like behind the scenes, like little where publishers and stuff meet. And uh, so we're all working in the booth. And then this guy that knows some people at Game Informer, because everybody knows everybody, uh, opens the door and he's like, hey, sorry to bug you guys. Um, Tony Hawk's with me and he needs some place just to like hang out and charge his phone in between interviews. He doesn't want people bugging him. So can you just like hang out in your little booth? Like, yeah, sure, whatever, no problem, man. So what tony. more innocuous place to hang out in E3 than a press booth? I know, and there were only like a couple of us in there. Jeff, were you in there?
1: Mm-mm. Kyle, were you? I think I I saw him briefly. Like I remember okay. stepping
0: in between meetings, and I was like, oh.
1: Uh, Tony Hawk. Okay. It I got to go see
0: Nintendo thing. stuff. Yeah, so I remember like, it was Jeff Cork and I sitting there and said, like, yeah, no problem. So then Tony just sat there and checked his phone and looked bored and, you know, was pleasant enough and stuff. Uh, at some point he was
3: assigned a preview and wrote it up. <laughs> <and> <laughs> a it was fine really in Game Informer from Tony Hawk. Yeah,
0: he reviewed Skate 3 for us, which I thought was really generous yeah. of him. But um, my favorite memory of that then is uh, Jim Riley, former news editor at Game Informer, he popped his head in just to say hi to us because, you know, he didn't work there anymore. And he pokes his head and he's like, Oh, hey everybody. Uh hey Ben Hansen, hey Jeff Cork, hey Tony Hawk. Like he just like <laughs> rolled with it. Did not skip a beat after seeing Tony Hawk just sitting next to us in the press booth, but uh we got a picture and it was just lovely and Jeff Cork gave him the hover hand of the century. Uh nice. <laughs> Let's see. Ghost of Tsushima. I'm sorry. Tsushima. I got to get used to pronouncing that right. Uh Sony had the big reveal, the state of play for even more gameplay from this thing. And you know, we had seen gameplay an extended session back at like E3 2018 but i really appreciated that this deep dive took more of a emphasis on like the the system's overall it almost felt like a you know one of those Nintendo uh, directs where they focus more on like the mechanics of smash and what's changing and showing like okay here's how here's we're going to walk you through the menus here's how the ui works here's how you are going to be navigating the world Kyle what was your biggest takeaway from the Ghost of Tsushima gameplay
1: uh, navigation the oh. wind I think that's really cool and interesting and stays out of your way while still giving you good direction. I mean, I'm, I'm saying based on just watching gameplay, but like that's just one of those small things that it just feels like a big innovation that I'm sure I'll use a lot when I actually play the game. You can know? you explain what you're talking about? So you basically you look at your map like in your menu and you can put a you know a marker, but then when you leave the map and you're looking in the environment, the wind blows you in the direction where you're supposed to go. And like there's like actual like lines like Wind Waker style. But they will dissipate, and then you can. It sounds like you can press a button to make the wind kind of kick up again to show you which direction to go, and it just makes it look really beautiful while still, like pushing you in a direction without making you recognize that you're playing a video game. I think. Right.
0: Yeah, and it feels like it's the work from a team that has been working in the open world genre, like Sucker Punch, for what over like fifteen years or more at this point, and just trying to minimize. I could say
1: Sly Two was maybe their first open world game. Interesting. with uh, some caveats, but
0: yeah. Uh, but just that idea of let's get rid of the standard tropes. Let's get rid of having just markers on the map. Let's not make this thing completely far cry. Let's not have just a huge, uh glowing yellow icon that you need to go to that constantly head this direction because they have the wind and then they have other subtle indicators, which is pretty smart. Of you know, if there's a secret nearby, a bird will like fly by you and fly towards the secret, or a fox will run by you and lead you towards a shrine, stuff like that, which. Oh, they're just really smart additions. Uh,
5: yeah, and it, it gets rid of it gets rid of, you know, always having a big glowing yellow line that you're following right. the other the entire time or having to have a mini map up just so that you can see where you're going. And I'm I'm sure I'm sure that's something that designers hate even more than us gamers because they're the ones creating this absolutely beautiful world. It's kind of like the whole problem with detective vision in so many games where it's like we made this beautiful world and you're going to look through it in this infrared for 90 percent of the time that you're playing because you have that practical need of figuring out where you're supposed to go
0: yeah and on top of that other smart details are just like you know what uh, there's not going to be a big animation for picking up things for grabbing ingredients like dyes so you can customize and change the color of your wardrobe stuff like that it's like you can just grab it and it'll automatically pick up or you can even be on the horse going by a bunch of trees and it's like bam now i've got this tree ingredient and i'm going to keep on rolling through
3: yeah see i'm not as into that because I, I i like what? It, it definitely hints at like yeah they're they're doing a lot of streamlining in a lot of interesting ways that i think like for better or worse like make it so that you're constantly just doing that flow but i think that one specifically is a thing where it's like okay well then then because there's no like friction to you picking anything up there's no real investment like why wouldn't you just smash the r2 button as you're running through the world and just like sort of passively pick up more resources so it doesn't feel like an interesting decision to just get more stuff it's just like as you're rewarding you're just sort of casually uh, amassing more resources that you're probably gonna end up using to craft new armor and stuff so like I I, know, I like end up appreciating animations. Like I, I like that in Red Dead, every time you killed an animal, you had to you had to invest in the animation of slicing it open and looking at it, even if it was kind of gruesome. So that that's definitely a thing where it's like it, it feels like they're doing like to something like Sekiro what Horizon Zero Dawn did with like a lot of the hey let's just make it easy to go wherever you want to go. Let's just cut out a lot of the like quote unquote rough edges, which I think can actually be some interesting like. Uh, friction in terms of how you explore the the world, uh, and I like that that they're kind of making a lot of that exploration more um, kind of le- less about looking at a mini map. But then it, they also have the thing where it's like you can when you're near something, it'll just say like, "Here's an undiscovered location that we've pinpointed on your map, and you can just go to it." So that it feels like they're kind of dipping their toe and the like, "Yeah, let's make it a little bit more natural, but let's not go all the way in terms of giving you a, making this world a thing where you're constantly." Kind of poking at your curiosity because the moment that there's an icon on the screen and you're going to it, you're beelining it. Like you're not, like you might see the fox on the way there, but it's like, okay, well, okay, and fox has been noted. I'm going to this location first and then I'll check out whatever the fox thing was. So, like, there's, it it feels like a refinement of uh, a lot of traditional, like, open world games. Um, but I guess having not seen a lot of gameplay of it, I didn't have a good idea of what the game was. And it feels like it's met like a, like a, it's met like the bar that I kind of expected, but I wasn't, I didn't see a lot of stuff in that demo that was like super surprising. It just felt like, okay, this will be a cool game that I'll play, but I'm not seeing, like, I'm not seeing why this game really stands out among the open world crop.
0: I think the setting, I mean... It's yeah. the setting alone, and people are. There's so a lot excited. of
3: that, and the, like the aesthetic touches and stuff, like, like being able to play the game in Japanese, which I think is really cool. Like the game looks, you know, it has that kind of Sony first-party polish of like every, like the way the wind blows, and you know, a lot of the animations and the fights and stuff. That stuff all looks really stylish. But I guess I was kind of expecting like um, something that was like, oh, this is this is kind of like the 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 hook that everything hangs on, like gameplay or structure-wise. Uh, and I guess I'd, I didn't see a ton of that that kind of like sparked by like, oh, I want to do that over and over again.
0: I guess, you know, they show the, okay, you're kind of raiding a village, liberating a village. You can stealth your way through it. You know, you're the ghost. They want to emphasize that. that there's going to be probably a lot more stealth in this game than some people are expecting. Mm-hmm. And then also you can have kind of the action approach, you know. But, you know, that conceptually is not that uh, revolutionary. But the action itself looked Different and interesting, like Kyle. What what was your read on the way that you're like engaging with those enemies?
1: I mean, it looks very deliberate and counter-heavy, you know, which
3: might be very Sekiro. I can't. Very imagine. early Assassin's Creed, it feels like, where mm, you're yeah. you're sitting there waiting for the enemy to attack you and then countering them.
1: I mean, Cyril, like I totally, I think I I understand what you're saying about like really like absorbing the idea of like animations you know with like red dead redemption and stuff like that but like for me i almost had like the opposite the same Mm -hmm. reaction but like an opposite feeling about it where i was like man this looks like an open world game that streamlines all the things i kind of find obnoxious like even things like Mm -hmm. the way the combat works like it looks like if you do well you can get through combat scenarios very quickly which i like Like, because i like the idea of getting good enough at the game that i can just kill three people like really quickly and not have to spend too much time doing that Um and that's kind that's to your question, Hanson, about the combat. Like that that was my takeaway, is like if you're careful and calm and you know, old school Assassin's Creed approach to it, like you can you can kill a lot of people quickly without having to get muddled down and like trying to do a bunch of combos and stuff like that. You know?
0: I like the look of when it would slow down every once in a while. Uh it's like, oh it's nice to have that single player game where they really lean into that a little bit. It's still I'm I'm really looking forward to this game. There were moments of like, okay, some of that combat's a little more stiff than I was expecting, but I think I've just been spoiled by high production, and maybe now, with my mind focused on next-gen, we're starting to see the limitations a little bit, which is not great that it has to be coming out uh, this late in the generation. That's not the game's fault. Um, Blake, anything stand out to you about that demo? I,
2: uh, like, I don't know. I felt so split watching it in that I was struggling. Every time I started to get interested in something, it threw something at me that made me not care anymore. Oh no. About it. Um, like, like I think what? it's really beautiful and like I love the like almost painterly aesthetic. Like it's almost like it's like rural Japan, but it kind of exaggerated. Um and when they were showing like the bird flying and you follow it to find a secret, I was like, that's really neat. I wonder how dynamic that will feel versus like, mm. oh, if I'm in this area that there's always a yellow bird that makes wants me to follow it but then like every time i get interested it'd be like oh here's this bird i can follow to find this new location and it's just him like opening up a fast travel location or right. like w- when they want to show off the stealth i was yeah, like oh this the best could be
1: reward in any open world game <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah opening up new fast travel locations
2: yeah um, and when they showed the stealth, I was like, okay, the combat looked cool, but then they're just showing that thing where he's throwing a rock to distract mm-hmm. a guard, and I'm like, I, I've seen this a million times. I don't know, other than the visuals, what there is for me to grab onto, so, like, it, it, it kind of, like, deflated a lot of my interest in this game. I mean, I think the photo mode looks really cool, and some of the extra options you have to, like, control the wind speed. Yeah, have something going on
3: in the background is weird. I mean, weird. Yeah. that's
2: the
0: crazy thing, yeah. it's like th- I think this entire presentation was done really well, and it knew what the internet wanted, but like, hey, we're gonna have foxes in the game. By the way, you can totally <laughs> pet the fox. We'll show you petting the fox. Everyone on the internet, shut up. We're gonna let you pet the fox. And then, like, hey, having a section like you mentioned during our reaction stream, you can watch on YouTube, Kyle, where it's like, hey, carving out a minute or so to talk about photo mode is an amazing evolution for that mode in general. Obviously we love yeah. photo mode, a photo mode snap, our YouTube series, but like, it's so crazy to have that smart detail of you can add music and instead of a photo, you can make it a short video by changing mm-hmm. the wind and having particles moving and take just like this <clears throat> cool kind of like diorama approach to the world of, what Tsushima?
3: Yeah. So, What's what? that account name? Sun legend. I think he's going to have a field day with this game. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the stuff I found really interesting, but the moment-to-moment gameplay stuff they were showing, like, just did not Mm. grab me. There was some stuff in the hypercut they showed at the end that was really cool, like him playing a flute on top of a mountain, yeah! or some of the, like, platforming stuff, that seemed really neat, but, like, I don't really need a gameplay demo of him throwing a rock to distract the guard, like I've done a million times, Right. but I don't know, I'm still gonna play it, I just, like... I was not losing my mind over this demo, you know?
0: I think there's a weird thing, and maybe I'm just not plugged in uh, to the PlayStation forums or the Reddit or anything, but, like, I feel like when Sucker Punch revealed this game, people were like, okay, yeah, open-world Samurai game, got it, I'm excited. And I feel like since then, they've been trickling out, like, hey, here's more of the story, here's these characters, here's these characters. I don't feel like people are anticipating the details of this game that much. I don't think people are on the edge of their seat for like, oh, tell me more about the evil Khan. Who is this guy? Who what are the what do the Mongols want? Whose side? How far is he gonna push it the protagonist to go uh, get the Mongols out of your island? Like is it, do you know what I'm talking about? It's just like everyone's yeah. sold already. And yeah, yeah. details be damned. And I'm curious how that'll play in the actual game. If yeah, people does that mean that you just won't care that much about the story? You're just gonna be focusing so much on the zooming out aspect of it?
3: Yeah, I, I think that it is you know, as games, as every game becomes like an open world game, I think the main attraction for a lot of games now, like, especially at that upper echelon of, like, production value, the main attraction is the setting and the context of, w- of what you're doing, because, and I think that's what developers have gone in, because that's how you sell a game is to, like, hey, look at these graphics, they look amazing. And now it's it's moved on from, like, this one character looks really good to, like, look at the way we've rendered this entire area. And mm. so the best way to take advantage of, like, look at all these resources we put into creating this giant location, that open-world template is, like, the mo- the the way you get the most out of that. And I think, so people are like, yeah, I'm sure the story will be fine, and, you know, there might be a twist and turn on, like, you know, whatever. But what I'm really interested in is the feeling of f- feeling like I'm in this world. Um, and I think this game is really leaning into, like, hey, it's like you're in feudal Japan uh, with, like, less of a of like a a fantasy event that like something like Sekiro had. Right. Or, or, and without, and without kind of like the, the gate, uh, that difficulty can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, still very excited about it. July 17th is coming up real soon. Uh, turns out, uh, another game is going to be released on July 17th that we learned about today, which is paper Mario, the origami King. Oh boy. What a ride. It's about me.
3: Hell (laughs) yeah. I'm the origami. King. No, I've never (laughs) folded paper in my life.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, it's probably like a napkin, and you put it on your lap or something. That's right?
4: true.
3: But I, mean, I never, you know, like, you know, I didn't make an
0: art out of it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this was rumored for a while. We talked about it earlier in the year on the Max show, talking about, oh, they say that the next Paper Mario is going to get back back to basics, going to return to more of the RPG formula from the earlier games, which sounds absolutely perfect. And then it was leaked again there's another wave of leaks when they were talking about all the mario games are going to be coming to the switch this year mario 64 remastered all that stuff and it's like oh by the way new paper mario as well this year so the grand reveal of paper mario the origami king helps confirm if there was any doubt left in your mind that this is going to be the year of mario and for the anniversary they are going to be re-releasing all those old games which is very exciting but Uh, We have a reaction video up on our YouTube channel for me watching the trailer for Paper Mario The Origami King. Those first two games are some of my favorite games of all time. Damn near perfect, I'd argue. And I've been craving for them to get back to more of the RPG formula. And after watching the trailer for Paper Mario, seems like they're taking a half step in the right direction. What did you guys think of this? Anybody else watch it?
3: I think it looks cool. Uh, I'm... I think uh, I, it's hard not to kind of go in with the expecta- with that context of like, well, the last two games were kind of disappointing gameplay-wise, you know, depending on who you ask, so much so that they brought the entire experience down. Um, but what I saw of the combat system, and it wasn't much, it definitely feels like there's maybe more to it than there has been for like Sticker I haven't, I haven't played Color Splash, but Sticker Star I definitely played and kind of got bored with yeah. halfway through. But uh, um, it seems like the main mechanic here is that the enemies are like in this... Like spherical grid, or like or circular yeah, grid. All, all battles take place
1: on the stage for the musical Hamilton. So they
3: call it ring-based battles.
0: So it's like different layers of rings Mm -hmm. layers jerry layers and then you have to rotate them to right and you have like x
3: number of moves of like hey you have a one ring one or two ring moves and then maybe you you can attack or maybe it's like an atb bar where you can spend like i'm gonna spend two points lining these guys up and then i'm gonna jump on all of them because they're in a row it's really weird that by itself i think is cool uh and it's like it's a way for them to like allude to like hey at some point you're like pressing uh buttons in time with jumping on goombas which is kind of what you want out of a paper mario game but also like we don't want to just do those games again uh because we're who knows maybe they're out of ideas for how to, what to do with a 2d rpg at this point um but it, it sounds interesting like it seems like there's a weird time mechanic where uh there's like one of the screenshots had like um uh purchase more time thing so maybe all the battles have time limits so uh, it might be a thing where it's like maybe you're using resources to give yourself more time to fight. The weirdest um, thing in it, those
0: in those battle sequences and just like the couple snippets they showed and then there's actually a clip on YouTube of maybe 20 seconds of a battle um, that mm-hmm. fans have tran- translated and stuff. But the oddest thing to me is that you have like 13,000 coins in all of the combat shots. It's like, okay, is that indicating that there are going to be purchasing items a little bit more in that sicker start Color Splash move, or, like, why so much money? There has to be some strategic reason why that's yeah. throughout the entire video.
3: We also didn't see any... I, I We saw partners make a comeback, because, you know, they, they had people following Mario around, but I don't know if they'll factor into... like I don't, it didn't I don't look think like I saw they were them in... in no, King they Combat were or.
0: not in any of the battles, but it is exciting to at least see companions following you around, so you'll have uh, Olivia, who's the Origami King's good sister the origami king's name is ollie by the way it's very important to get this lore right mm-hmm. um and so it's like okay olivia will be following you around and they have like a bob i'm following you around which is exciting to have other characters other than mfing toads in <laughs> paper mario because oh my god they have driven me insane the last couple entries and a lot of that if you go back and read a very fascinating a lot of asks i believe it's for the sticker star um release but they talk about how miyamoto had intelligence systems course correct and get away from the classic rpgs with paper mario and steer towards this funky hybrid where it's basically formatted like a rpg except very few new locations and very few new characters and also progression doesn't mean anything and all of your moves in combat basically use an item which is just like the grossest feeling in an rpg overall so i don't think i've ever been so frustrated by a game as paper mario color splash because it is so many things are great the art's great the writing i think is great and then just systemically, it just makes you want to tear your hair out. because They're so close to nailing the old Paper Mario formula. So seeing this, I feel like, you know, you say that they want to do something new, Serial, but it's like the old formula was so good. You can find new tweaks in there instead of coming up with some wacky ring-based combat system. But let's see how it is. Maybe I will be yeah. on board with this, but it just feels like, They're scared of the basics and putting in more gimmicks. And that's not what I want out of Paper Mario RPGs.
3: I would say maybe the reason that they're afraid of those basics is because of the other RPG series that they've had for a while, which was basically very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, Like the Mario and Luigi games, which at some point did crossover with Paper Mario. And I feel like those are games where it's like, uh, yeah, they added one new twist, but the rest of the game is like, each of your characters has a button associated with it. And you do like, it it was a lot of Paper Mario DNA. Uh, and th- like you know, the developer for those is basically bankrupt at this point yeah. because like those games did not do super well. Uh, so I, mean, I have to imagine like that's maybe why, but maybe they're they're overselling, or maybe they're underselling how much uh, brand value like a brand new Paper Mario game has. And like I, I think people w- would at this point be really satisfied with like if they just made a, a, a like a direct sequel to Thousand Year Door.
0: Yeah absolutely i mean rpgs are selling well on switch i have to imagine i feel like the audience is there but still we'll see how it goes uh also they mentioned on their site that out of battle mario can use the arm extending 1000 fold arms ability in specific spots to interact with the landscape to pull peel hit and more so you saw glimpses of that and the other weird thing in the trailer overall is it seems to be more focused on exploration there's like that quick shot of like being in an open sea in the boat uh you're like in a Uh, a boot that's also like a car it seems to be more open environments which is weird for a paper mario game which is all about you know 2d characters and kind of this little kind of cutesy boxy arena so
3: you see those freakishly human toad uh drawings in the background of one of the levels yeah,
0: so it's like the Egyptian-looking level, and it looks like the prehistoric toads are prehistoric. I don't know. Is that I mean, what you call Egypt? Prehistoric? Not quite. But anyways, <laughs> that they're just like super elongated and weird humanoid toads that the internet is uh, freaking out about, and I'm sure they're getting Rule 37 oh. to hell right now. Not okay!
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry not to interrupt. It's Rule 34.
0: 34 oh i'm talking Thank about you, 37 man. though which is even raunchier <laughs> see this is why we have cool young hip people like blake on podcast to correct every faux pas we make along the way uh, i can
2: only correct when it comes to cartoon Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. uh
0: anyways right, I, right, want you to out of the
1: before i dig it at all <laughs> beautiful
0: uh all right also this week jeff keely got back on the stream and said hey get ready for this revolution and then Epic just kind of tweeted it out before the stream started as well and, <laughs> and ruined it. But uh, it was the grand reveal for Unreal Engine 5 and next-gen graphics technically running on a PlayStation 5. They emphasized over and over and over again. Uh, let's see. Jeff, did you watch that thing? I did. You uh,
5: think? It had popped up randomly in my YouTube feed. And I, I didn't – how early did they announce that this was coming? Or was this just a complete surprise to everyone?
0: I think Keeley was saying we're going to have a reveal or a stream on Wednesday. And, yeah,
1: yeah, and he said that it was one of the most important things of the summer, which I, which I really shrugged my shoulders at a couple of days ago. I was like, all right, we'll see. But then it was like, oh, all right, well, this is PS5 gameplay it's- and Unreal Engine Five. Like this is this is the future of games. I mean, it honestly is because a lot of people are going to use Unreal Engine Five moving forward.
5: Yeah, you know? and and my my big impression that you know they had. Uh, couple guys talking about it you know what their design hopes were for it and everything i was like okay you know when are they going to start i actually skipped forward to the gameplay and then when i started seeing what was going on i went back and watched the entire (laughs) thing because it, it does sound like a legitimately some huge differences in how they are how the engine is handling graphics and and uh you know polygons and whatnot uh, triangles we call them writing
0: they emphasize triangles so much yeah and they're like we have triangles as small as a pixel i was like okay i'm not smart enough to fully understand uh the power of that but they seem very excited about it and they had you know fun code names for all these things like okay we had nanite for limitless geometry lumen for lighting niagara effects are so the bats are aware of each other and other things are aware of what else is happening within the ai um who knows i think those are all going to kind of go by the wayside and people forget those exact names but you know we've had so many unreal demos before like okay the unreal 4 demo was like the weird lava guy i think it's called elemental um and then even like the samaritan demo which is kind of like unreal 3.5 that we went back and watched not too long ago but what kept getting me excited about watching this was just like the reminder that okay this isn't just a high-end pc this is actually running on a PlayStation 5. So even if you think the Unreal demos of the past have been far-reaching or a little bit much, like that framing for everything, I think was really important to the impact of this overall.
5: Yeah, and, and I think the, you know, the interesting thing is that they were talking about how essentially, and who knows when it starts getting into other developers' hands and everything, but they were talking about that the engine allows people or developers to get rid of the idea of levels, levels of detail, that kind of pop in and out based on how close you are to things, because apparently all these billions of triangles will just sort themselves out. Uh, and but so it it reminded me of there was that demo that David Milner did a big piece on for GI Australia. I can't remember what what the engine was called, but they made a they made a big deal about how it was kind of like voxel particle based, mm. and that you could just have like unlimited levels of detail in a you know in a scene or whatever um and that it would it it sounded like it was doing a lot of the same things but it was kind of that also seemed very revolutionary at the time but then people started poking holes in it and saying well you it's it's actually completely static and you can't you can't have characters running around or you can't change the geometry or anything like this so it's actually kind of worthless and they they kind of made a point in this unreal engine demo to say that that's not the case that you know like all these environments are changing all the time and that you have real time lighting that you know is the lighting was the other half of half of all of the kind of technical advancements that they're making and stuff that that these are you know real video game environments and and have you know physics simulations and all those kind of things and it's and it's going to give a lot more detail into games than than what any hardware can seem to do now at this point.
0: Yeah, it's weird hearing Tim Sweeney, which the world became obsessed for a while about Tim Sweeney's uh, background because... Uh, you know the head of epic he's giving his presentation he has one of those glowing electric orbs in the background With people are like i have that in my animal crossing house this guy's a billionaire why does he have that but he's a genius he, he can only
1: take a big old swig from like a popeyes cup too like yeah. right he does
0: i recommend going back and watching the making of gears of war one where tim sweeney gives a tour of his house and he's like climbing in the tree out back like michael jackson he's an interesting character i feel too bad like I don't want to make fun of the guy. There's a little bit of that on the internet. Like, he's a very unique flavor uh, and clearly a genius. Um, But he kept talking about how the PlayStation 5 was better than any high-end PC, which was interesting framing. We'll see how true it is. But clearly, they're, you know, in bed to some extent, not in a negative way. With Sony, they have some sort of deal lined up. So they were acknowledging, like, yeah, of course, Unreal will run on Xbox, but You know, if you take Tim Sweetie at his word, he kept saying that the PlayStation 5 is a much more impressive piece of hardware overall. He also said, quote, the world of loading screens are over. Which, you know, you hear that it's minimized and stuff with the SSD, but hearing him say that, it's like, is there something to this? I cannot believe that will be true. Yeah,
1: and in the demo, there's a whole sequence of her shimmying her way through a cave, which is like classic
0: loading screen hiding ah kyle all contraire uh somebody was complaining about that on twitter Uh, i believe it was jeff grubb um who you had on your podcast recently right kyle yeah we're best friends now me and jeff Talk Uh, all the time. he's the one who's talking about the mass effect remaster what'd you learn by the way from him on that uh they i mean basically that it's coming like
1: he's he had i mean he has a lot of confidence it's not coming to switch uh but it is coming to modern consoles and it'll be the trilogy cool um I also I talked to him today, quick aside, uh, Pikmin 3 Remastered, he also says it's, like, locked for Switch, and we should see that mm. pretty soon, too.
0: Oh! Okay. It's a weird thing, yeah. where, like, now that the directs seem to be thrown out the window uh, because of COVID, the releases are just popping up here and there, but uh, yeah. get one more time for people interested, what is the name of your podcast where you talked about that? Uh, Gaming Ride Home. There we go, fantastic. Anyways, thank but... You, thank but, you for letting me plug it, Hansen. Anytime, man. Uh, Matthias Warch, who I met... Uh, during the cover story trip for Mafia 3, he's a designer that was uh, at 2K, and now he's a designer at Epic. And seemed like he worked on this demo, but somebody was complaining about the shimmying loading screen thing. Uh, and Matthias says, that is not a streaming corridor. It's just there to show close-up detail. That they had no other way to conveniently mm-hmm. show the detail. But
3: He would say that, though. He would. I yeah. mean, the entire
0: demo, we should probably acknowledge this. It looks like next-gen Tomb Raider. Like It is insane oh, yeah. how <laughs> it just looks like a <laughs> oh. Tomb Raider game.
1: I mean, I, I instantly took, I guess, with the last 30 seconds and, like, made, like, a short video to tweet it out. It's incredible. Like, just jumping off of that cliff and flying and, like, running along the walls. Like, awesome. Like, it's, it's funny because those past Unreal demos looked great. Yeah. But it was never a game I really wanted to play. I was like, oh, it's impressive visuals. But this one, I'm like, I want to play that. Like, that running, flying sequence looks Amazing,
0: but they did emphasize this is not a real game. This is just not a real game. game. Please calm down. We're very busy with Fortnite, which they mentioned (laughs) that in 2021 they're going to transition over to Unreal Engine 5, uh, because 2021 is when the engine will actually be released. Um, but and and also confirmed for PS5 and Xbox Series X, which is mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, assumed, but
1: at least they had a blog post that was like, yes, it is coming. Everything you've bought will transfer over. Don't worry about it. That
0: kind of thing, right? Right, remember. I feel like it wasn't that long ago where people were like, well, I don't know if people really need Unreal anymore. I mean, Unity is really stepping up in a big way. And now it's just on every front, Epic is killing it. Like, I even had this weird realization this week of, you know, seeing what's in the Epic Game Store and having this weird feeling of, oh, well, I assume this game's good because it's in the Epic Game Store. So I'll just play it. It was, um, what was it called? Oh, Before We Leave, which is like a city building game. That it, it turns out it was surprisingly solid. But just they've curated such a good experience there. I understand people are still bitter about it lacking some features compared to steam but epic is just and killing also at it.
1: the time of this recording i mean we're live i yeah. believe it's still down because everyone was trying to get a free copy of gta 5.
0: oh but yeah <laughs> but they still giving away a free copy of gta 5. i mean it is <laughs> yeah, just unbelievable yeah. and so i saw um a developer uh developer that's working on skatebird you following skatebird blake
2: i am megan fox i there know exactly who you're talking about
0: there we go uh she tweeted out and says why is my entire game feed Game Dev Feed not screaming about how Unreal Engine 4 is now free to use until your revenue passes $1 million. That is holy G's good terms. Like, holy G's. And then Dana Mm. Cowley from Epic says, we want to make it even easier for independent game developers to succeed with Unreal. So now, instead of a 5% royalty after your game earns $3,000 per quarter, you owe Epic nothing until your game earns $1 million. Which is... Again, just another good person epic. And they have those amazing publishing deals uh, lined up with, you know, the developers we talked about before, including Remedy uh, and your beloved, beloved developer, developer Kyle, what was her name again? Play Dead, thank you. Um, but yeah, just the idea that, oh, just go ahead and download it and make a game with Unreal Engine 4. If you cross a million dollars in revenue, then we'll start talking. But up until that point game on, like, I love seeing developers getting excited about that. And even... Like, you know, during this demo, there were so many developers jumping on Twitter just being like, holy mother of God, you don't understand how huge this is. Uh, I mean, are you guys excited about Next Gen after seeing those graphics?
2: I am. I think, like, I think it was a cool demo. I have no clue what they were talking about at any point in that demo. Okay, so, um, so,
3: so the triangles, they're <laughs> everywhere. They're just like the- literally just all triangles.
2: They put pretty stuff on screen and I was happy, but I have no clue what they were saying. But, like, I think they, I think they, like, none of this, like, the business deals are going to affect me in any way. But I also think it's cool to see, like, Epic invest in small developers in that way and, like, distribute this certain amount of goodwill and good faith and you know putting money in their hands that they might not get through other platforms but also just getting out there on jeff Keighley's stage which is by and large usually like one of the biggest most visible stages in the game industry and putting out something that was developer focused and be like look at this this is what you are going to have and the unreal engine is like it powers everything from, it powers like Persona 5, and I don't think it's the sole engine of Persona 5, but it's behind a lot of interesting, weird games you Final might Final Fantasy expect. 7
0: Remake, uh, the sequel might be on Unreal Engine 5. It's
2: behind a bunch of interesting games, and like a whole big swath of different genres. So I thought it was cool that they got out there, and put all these tech specs out there that dumbasses like me don't understand, but like... Plenty of developers were probably like super excited for, and yeah. it's cool that they put it on like Jeff Keighley's stage, getting it in front of way more people than I don't know, maybe even Epic live streaming it themselves would see.
0: Well, yeah, and it's crazy to think about. I mean, I was visiting Epic for like the reveal of Unreal Engine Four, where they had that Elemental demo, and uh, Matt Burtz was there and wrote a big feature in Game Informer magazine about it. But just thinking about even that. Era and how they unveiled Unreal Engine 4, which was like, all right, let's get Mark Rain in here. (laughs) And, you know, he's a a hoot. But having him (laughs) talk on camera about the power of Unreal Engine 4 and then developers, like, this is why I'm skeptical about some of those like the nanite and lumen like they're I know lumen is another term for, you know, lighting overall, but just like their words for these situations why I'm skeptical that that'll really carry on is like, you know, with Unreal Engine 4, their big talking point was kismet. The kismet tools for Unreal Engine 4, which was going to let small developers create creative games faster than you could possibly imagine. Basically, they were pitching Unreal Engine 4 in the early days as uh dreams of just like, oh, plug and play, you can create a game, get it out the door. And I feel like, you know, I'm sure there were great tools that developers took advantage of, but that wording never really caught on and then like you mentioned now with unreal engine 5 just get out there and jeff keeley front and center and developers are getting rallied so it seems like a yeah. very smart reveal overall for sure uh cool let's see what else is going on this is an exciting week y'all yes yeah love it's it the same. thank you uh let's see uh jeff margafaba hey you wanted to unpack some tabletop recommendations That's-
5: Oh, uh yeah, I had I had one more because um I went on an extended weekend kind of thing up north and so I packed a bunch of board games for my wife and some of her siblings to play and we ended up only playing one the entire time because we uh, were so psyched about it. Uh, and it is called The Crew, which you can see here. It's a wee little game, uh, huh. but basically it is a co-op trick-taking game. Trick-taking yeah yeah so if you know like uh hearts the classic card game I've never played it it's, it's, kind, it's kind the idea is that you will everyone will have a hand of cards uh and you go around in rounds and each person will play one card each turn and so you you have different suits or colors of cards and so basically the first card that plays it determines the suit for that hand and the person who plays the highest If you have to play the color that that the first person plays, if you have it, otherwise you can play a different color from your hand. Uh, But only whoever plays the highest card for that hand gets all the cards.
0: Is this the crew or hearts that you're talking about?
5: This is both. So so basically, uh, the crew builds off of that idea, except it's a co-op game. Usually, usually the winners in a in hearts, the winners determined by how many how many hands that you take whoever whoever takes the most hands of cards. But in this one you're all kind of working together and you have these various different missions that you're doing, which basically it's just another smaller deck of cards that has all the same cards in it, but it, each one each player will get a certain amount of these cards depending on how hard the mission is, and those are specific cards that you have to get in a hand sometime during the mission. So I know I know that sounds like a huge mess. But basically if I if if my card was, you know, if I had the six of, the green six, basically, I have to figure out how I'm going to play cards in order to get that green six, the one green six that's in the deck uh, at some point during the mission. And so if I play a very high green card, then someone else might be able to play the green six, and then I would win it that way. Or, you know, you, you have to come up with different different ways to get these cards. But what's interesting about it is that you can't, actually communicate during during the gameplay you you basically have one ability that lets you share very limited information but otherwise you're all just kind of looking at your cards you're looking at what other people have to win during the mission that you're playing and then you're trying to figure out how you can play cards in order to get cards to whoever needs them so did you ever play the mind
0: yeah I love the mind
5: yeah, it's, it's kind of like a more strategic version of that where you just can't communicate a lot with the other players, but you're all trying to solve this, this thinky puzzle at the same time. And what's cool about it is that it gives you 50 different missions that you're going through that kind of get progressively hard huh. as you're going through.
0: And uh, you all play as cars, Ubisoft's cars? I don't He's know. making a, a the crew joke. Hey, Blake, we um, like to make jokes uh, every once in a while on, on the podcast, and sometimes they go over like gangbusters, like you just <laughs> saw. That's you all the don't. You, add you, the don't post, man. you don't pre-write your jokes
2: for each episode.
0: Is that how Game Curry ends up being so funny?
2: Yeah, we yeah oh, we goodness. are a we are an intensely scripted show. Oh my Down god. To, down to every um and awkward pause to simulate <laughs> the delay on a Discord call. Uh, that is correct, yes.
4: Perfect. Uh,
2: I wrote that joke before
5: I showed up on this podcast.
0: Love it. That's how you do it. So the crew, <laughs> you'd recommend it wholeheartedly.
5: Yeah, uh, and it's it's real cheap. It's like $15. It, it has kind of gone in and out of print, so sometimes, you know, the price spikes, but uh, it's already has been... A lot of people are very psyched about it, and it's been, people are saying, oh, it's going to win a bunch of awards towards the end of the year and everything. So it's brand new
0: for this year, too? Huh? So it's new this year? Yep.
5: Yeah. All right. And so I, you know, I got it because I had to kind of fill out an order in order to get free shipping from a place. Uh, But my wife and I were super surprised by it. You can also play two player, which is very weird for a trick taking game, but they kind of figure out a way that you can add kind of a third player simulated player in and that's just as fun too so
0: can you um can you hose it down and then leave it in your mailbox and i'll swing by and pick it up here
5: yeah yeah i was planning on doing it anyways okay
0: great uh hey Sergio vasquez yes how are you
3: i'm all right
0: what have you been playing recently man
3: uh what have i been playing recently uh i have been on uh, my BS, as it were, uh, and playing a lot of Destiny and Mortal Kombat. Really? Yeah.
0: Just, like, to, I'd imagine Destiny to, like, reconnect with your brother? Uh,
3: that, a little bit of that, but mostly because I know that the next season's gonna have a raid, and I'm gonna wanna do it the first week, and now I'm really behind on, like, leveling stuff, so I wanna level up in time to, cause the next season, I think, starts, like, early or mid-June, uh, so I'm basically on the power grind, um, A lot, some of it is, some of the new stuff that they've added this season I think is cool. Most of it is kind of boring and actually right now they have like, they have this community goal of like, there's a new activity called like the Seraph Towers where you're teaming up with a bunch of random people uh, that you have to find like in the world as you're traveling. It's not like a matchmaking thing explicitly. So it's been actually pretty hard to find people to do that event with. And so this last like, this latest quest where you get an exotic weapon, uh, was like, hey community, do three million of these activities, and uh, they had like a time limit for the end of the season, and people were doing the math on how it was progressing, and they said, oh, there's no way the community going to get it done before the end of the season, so they had to issue a patch that was like, oh, uh, we've upped the uh, the the rate at which this completes by like five pr- like five times, and then on weekends it's at ten times the the rate. Uh, okay, now have fun or whatever. So it was this weird thing where the community and they have done this before, this kind of community-driven thing, and people didn't really take to it. Um, so it's been kind of like this mix of like, I like playing Destiny; it's a fun game. Some of the stuff that, like they've done since then is cool, but there's always kind of this weird, frustrating struggle with leveling.
0: I hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh And imagine Mortal Kombat just to get ready for Aftermath.
3: Yeah, I've been I've been I've been learning Sindel, who is Ooh. one of the one of the DLC characters. She's pretty cool. I'm ha- it's fun learning like you know various fighting game things. But I think what I like about Mortal Kombat specifically um, is that they have a really strong loop uh, in terms of the combat league, which is their ranked thing. So you go in and they tell you like, hey, for the season. You know, play X number of matches and we'll give you like a skin, uh, you know, play five matches today And we'll give you some like currency that you can use to buy more skins And then they'll have different challenges like land X number of throws over the course of the season uh, And so that that's been getting me to like motivate me to play like, you know, for about an hour or two a day uh, And it's been and like the, the game itself is really fun. So that's cool And then you can go like while you're waiting you can like, you know, because I, I, I play a Sindel And I hadn't played in a long time, so I didn't have any outfits for her. And you can go into like the single player stuff, like the Towers of Time stuff, to get more single player skins. And so that, like, all these three things kind of feed into each other. And like, I've been thinking a lot about Mortal Kombat stuff and wanting to play a lot uh, pretty recently.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh, Have you had a chance to check out that SNK
3: Gals game on Switch? uh, Yeah, I played a little bit of it. I think it's it's a port of an old uh, Neo Geo. Pocket game, and it's a weird thing too uh, where they're like
0: they simulate the entire Neo Geo on the Switch screen, so it just looks like a yeah. bizarre recreation,
3: yeah. So it runs on the original at the original like aspect ratio, so it's like really actually really small on the screen, especially portable, yeah. Uh, and it's weird because like that, that screen is actually interactive, and in that if you want for some reason, you can press the buttons in that visual and the analog stick and actually do all the motions and stuff. Um, which is kind of neat, but like as a fighting game, it seems like it's all right. Like I did, like for a portable fighting game from around that era, from like the, the the late '90s when it was like a novelty, it's okay. I don't I don't think it's anything like too crazy. Um, but you know, I I messed around with it for a couple hours and did a, co- a few combos and I had fun with it. But yeah, yeah, it, it's like any it's a, it's what you'd expect out of an eight dollar fighting game at this point.
0: Okay, just a smaller weird little comeback thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hey Blake, can you help me with something? What's up? uh my dad, my estranged father, no he's very de estranged he he's reached very out strange. To <laughs> strange. yeah he's, he's, he's very a, strange. He, yeah, so Dr. Strange reached out to me and he said, Hey, uh, we have a neighbor who has a pinball table, okay that he's looking to sell, and it's like a royal flush pinball table it, right. it and it's in pristine condition. My dad sent me video of it running it's the noisiest thing you could possibly imagine." And I'm not a huge pinball guy, but I've always been curious about it. It's like, God, it'd be fun to have a pinball table at like kind of our our lake place, our little cabin Mm -hmm. and the lake, which is really just like a garage that has a main machine in it. But it's like, it'd be cool to have a pinball machine next to it. How much would you realistically pay for a sweet pinball table from like the late 70s, the Royal Flush pinball table?
2: I own a pinball machine from what? the late 70s and I would pay people to take it from my home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? You own a pinball machine?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's the hell? it's my what are the It's my dad's. Well, uh, it's my dad's old pinball machine, but um, it's uh, it used to be in the basement of my parents' house and it's the loudest thing ever. You don't want one of those things. It's an old like Atari uh, digital pinball machine from the late 70s so it projects the digital display Ew. onto a mirror up at the like a uh, cabinet face yeah super um i would pay someone to take that from me i'm i'm warning you now really that it's too noisy for the home home setting
5: Is there it's a- like a curse basically
2: <laughs> it really is like it used to be at my parents old house and uh my uh, in high school my house was like the party house and I had a pinball machine so people would just play it at all hours of the night, no matter who was sleeping. You don't and, want that. I'm telling you right and now. And there's
0: no way to like just pull out a little cord and shut it up for a little bit? Do I need to be uh, some expert on electronics just to mute this thing? Well, this
2: but yours is like a, a standard pinball machine, right? Yeah. So you're still going to be getting the cl- clicking and clacking of there's the, the clicking ball and, and the, clacking,
0: the but there's got to be a way to turn off the bells and stuff, don't you think?
2: Yeah, you don't buy it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I think I, I I want a way it. to turn it off. Not That's, yeah,
2: it's a mute button.
0: Well, I was the tough thing is like, how much is this thing worth? What's, what should our starting price be? What should the range be? Because my dad's like, oh, I'll go in on it with you. That seems fun. Because you know he's very sweet. He's like, oh, your your nephews would like it. I'm like, yeah, but dad, we already have a main machine. Now. They're like, they have everything they could possibly want, like a pinball machine versus that. Like you know, really sweet, what if you or...
2: just get one of those pinball games for the Xbox?
0: that's an option. That'd be okay. But anyway, I, I
2: to think l- I botched this question.
0: No, no, you did a good job. You're much more informed than I ever could have imagined. You, yeah. You're much here. more qualified than I did think. Hansen yeah. yeah I just wanted a going weird one out could monologue about uh, pinball mochis, but like looking around online, it's just a mess because like, there's yeah. no idea of where these things are at. I couldn't find really any reliable ones on Craigslist or eBay. And so it's like just reading through forums where people would be like, I would pay $3,000 for a Royal flush table. Is that what we're talking about here? Because, like, the Jurassic Park table is, like, $6,000. Like, these prices are absurd.
2: It's really weird, too, because one time I looked up to sell this pinball machine I'm just stuck with. And it go, no one will buy it. You can't even find a price. Like, no one wants it. So I can't even get rid of mine. It's like there's no in-between for these things.
0: Yeah. Well, Blake, I think the one thing we can leave this conversation with is that there's no easy solution to me wanting a pinball table and you desperate to get rid of your pinball table. So I guess Mm -hmm. we'll just have to move on.
3: Hold on, wait a second. (laughs) What an unfortunate crossroads. (laughs) Hold on, wait. Now the the gears are
0: turning. Yeah. What do you got?
2: I have a pinball machine.
0: You do? Yeah, we already. You have a
2: vacant spot in your lake garage for a pinball machine.
0: I am dying to own a pinball machine. Yeah, why?
2: I will, if you drive the 13 hours to my house in Kentucky from Minnesota, I'll give you this pinball machine for you free. You could do that today. You could literally do it today.
3: That's it. We're taking Min Max this- on the road. Go, go Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get in your car, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dive into the wall in <laughs> <of> the basement?
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Well, uh, the, the door's sealed shut, so I have to jump in the window.
0: <laughs> <and> already- <laughs> uh, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Is it a... Patreon, handle? hell yeah, it is Patreon.com/slash/minmax2ends. That's how we keep this whole indie trainer rolling.
4: Woo woo!
0: So thank you for your support, everybody. Um, we will have future deepest dives in the future. Uh, we've wrapped up Final Fantasy 7 remakes discussion, but it is the best, most thorough discussion about that game on the internet. Ended up recording that bonus episode where it's all about the game's ending and where we predict it's going to go in the future, which was very fun to do. But obviously, we missed Kyle and Jeff on that discussion. Uh, so hopefully, we can have all you right, in the future. One of us the whole time just a little bit just made fun of you a little bit uh but for uh, upcoming deepest dives we will reveal what we're doing right now the plan is to do like a, a quick one-off which should be interesting and timely um and then in the future we will let people vote on patreon what game they want us to cover for the game club discussion so it should be very fun to see which direction people go in the future um Shima. Yeah, that'd be nice. We'll see how it goes. Um, also, I uh, wanted to plug a couple things. Last week, I forgot to mention that a new episode of Mintrax, our music podcast, uh, was released. That uh, was on Friday. Uh, so you can find Mintrax as a separate podcast uh, wherever you find podcasts. And the last episode, hosted by Matt Helgeson, always hosted by Matt Helgeson and Jason Daphnis, the producer, does an amazing job on there, too. But we had Kirk Hamilton, who was on the Min Max show before, formerly of Kotaku and Triple Click podcast. Um, and he was on there reviewing Jeff Buckley's Grace. And it is that guy knows music and obviously that's an amazing album. And so it's my favorite episode yet. No offense to you, Kyle for your episode or myself for my episode. Uh, but I think that Kirk Hamilton does an amazing job and like him right. and his brain it turns out
1: when you quit your job as a
0: game journalist to become a full-time musician, you're pretty confident about knowing music. Well,
1: <laughs>
4: yes.
0: So please check out that episode of Mintrax tracks and leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd be so kind also on Tuesday this week, we, because of your support on Patreon, finally launched our interview show. Uh, so it's on our YouTube channel, and then also the audio is in the podcast audio feed, which is exclusive to five dollars supporters at patreoncom Um And the first guest was a surprising, weird one: uh, Phil Tippett. Jeff, were you familiar with the name Phil Tippett before I started talking about him?
5: Uh, I had heard it, but I didn't. I couldn't place it.
0: Okay, Oscar award-winning uh, VFX guy from Hollywood. Uh, really blew up and got his start in a big way with Star Wars, where he animated and created the hollow chess sequence and then designed Java, designed Tauntauns, animated the AT80s. Uh, he was there then working with Spielberg on Jurassic Park at the turning point for all of Hollywood, I'd argue, of when Hollywood transitioned from let's go stop motion, let's try some different special effects versus let's go all CG. Um, There was a dinosaur supervisor meme about him on the internet a while ago. Uh, He animated um, Ed 209 in RoboCop. Uh, There's a lot. Starship Troopers. So he has been everywhere. And we have an interview with him on our YouTube channel we'd recommend you check out. He has the energy of a 70-year-old man who's kind of laying down on a couch, talking into his phone (laughs) to an outlet that he's never heard of. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. a legend. And uh, we'll have more interviews in the future covering games and... All sorts of fun things.
3: It's very fun did to reach ask, out for that. Did you ask him if he was a Mortal Kombat fan?
0: No, uh, I asked him if he was a video game fan and uh, I think he hocked a loogie under the lens. Uh, he was so disgusted by that concept. Oh, that means yes. Oh, that's like a MK yeah. thing? I, yeah, haven't, yeah, I haven't I yeah. haven't watched yet what Palace of uh, Persona 5 is he currently on. <laughs> <laughs> so please check out that Phil Tippett interview everybody. Uh thanks and we'll have a lot more fun things to come in the future. Also, thanks to Captain Stubbs 1. He says, "Hello Minmaxers, I'm very happy to sponsor Minmax, my favorite video game voices on the internet. Thank you." First, everyone please check out my not family-friendly gaming YouTube channel Captain Stubbs 1. Also I'd like to take the opportunity to give a PSA. Please everyone, if you need locksmith services, go to aloa.com associated locksmiths of america to find a reputable local locksmith as scammers are an industry problem and finally a little bit of getting better some life guidelines i've found helpful that i'd like to share uh captain Stubbs, one every week wants to give different little life tips this week he says compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to who someone else is today isn't
3: that good thank you captain
0: I mm-hmm. love It's like I, Captain Sub's little fortune cookies. Very wise words. I love this. Uh, I'm much fancier today than yesterday. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Michael Moran is also supporting us. Thank you, Michael Moran, for your constant support of MinMax. He says, hello, MinMax. I've been obsessed with making lists and ranking things for as long as I can remember. My favorite part of podcasts, including the one you're listening to right now, is when hosts go around the horn reading through top five lists. So my friends and I made a podcast where we do only that. On List Wars, we pick a different topic to rank, rank a debate each week and cannot legally end the show until we have agreed upon a communal list. This is just something my friends and I do for fun, but I wanna, I wanted to help hit a big Patreon goal for MinMax, so now you're hearing about an ad. You're hearing an ad about it. Episodes vary in subject, length, focus, and quality, but in true MinMax spirit, I think we're getting better at it. People in the Discord seem to really enjoy our 2019 movies and hose head settings episodes, but please roll the dice on whatever topic sounds interesting to you. List Wars is available on all the usual podcast providers, and we try to post episodes every other week. And if it sounds like we stole half the games we play at the end of our show from GI or MinMax, it's because we did. Thanks. I'm Ben Hansen, <laughs> and I have to read this. Thank you,
3: Michael. Uh, also, that. thanks to it's, I Am 8 a quick tip. You could make hansen read way worse stuff than I uh, have to read this, by the way, since he has to read it. Dude, shut yeah. up. Just surreal. a suggestion.
0: Shut up. Uh, I am 8Bit. Thank you for supporting uh, Minmax and Minmax's community. Please check out their amazing store online and use the promo code Minmax to get 10% off your order. Uh, they have the Ape Out soundtrack uh, up for pre order right now. I assume you like Ape Out, Blake. God, so good. And the soundtrack is so good. And what's cool is this is the first ever live gameplay album where they played through the game, oh, wow. recorded the soundtrack because it's also dynamic. And so it's dynamically generated jazz as con- as conducted via the game playthrough by Gabe Cazillo, who's the game's designer. So please check that out. The album art is by Mark Borgons. The music and sounds by Matt Bach. And it's mastered for vinyl by Townsend Mastering. So please go to I Am 8-Bit and show them some love because they show us and our community a hell of a lot of love by giving out the I Am 8-Bit question of the week prize i'm
2: I'm sorry yes they they recorded this soundtrack by playing the game and conducting to it.
0: no, I think they played the game in the most interesting dynamic way possible and then took that audio and then mastered that to vinyl.
2: I don't understand, but it sounds cool. just imagine Look, triangles
0: like just. Triangles.
2: <laughs> No, no, like, it sounds awesome. Like, I, I'm i just trying to wrap my head around, like, how they did that.
0: Because the Ape Out soundtrack is so responsive to what you're doing at all times, right. right? And so they just played it and, imagine, got rid of the sound effects. So it's just the music and then made it sound as good as possible and then took that music track and said, this is the official soundtrack for Ape Out. Oh. And they basically
3: mastered one playthrough of the game. Okay, right, I see. Right. I see. That's awesome. That's Anyways, so cool.
0: The point is, it's up for pre-order right now, so please check that out and show yeah. I Am 8 Bits some love. Also, I Am 8 Bits big prize this week for the best question of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. People submit questions to pod to patreon.com slash minmax two ends if you support any easier you can submit a question or comment or anything we're going to choose our absolute favorite and then am 8 bit will ship out something very nice um this week let's see blake you're a guest do you like soundtracks or do you like toys
2: toys for okay. sure i'm holding an amy rose right now he is <laughs> Is that just a thing you do
3: on the regular? Is that just like a thing you have in your pocket?
2: I I have like a few little knickknacks in front of my work computer that I like just fiddle with Mm. out of nervous habit. And this is one of them because I dropped my magnets like halfway through this episode that I was fiddling with. (laughs) So now I've moved on to Amy. After Mm. that, I'll move on to my third one.
0: That sounds great. Well, hey, uh, the best question this week uh, wins these two lovely things from monument valley jeffem is that right oh. yeah yeah so if you like toys uh check out imapit.com, and we're going to ship this out to the winner thank you so much to imabit for sending us those all right first question seth parmer says, hey, with most of the panel having experience writing reviews, I was interested in what exactly your review process was and how you approached each review. As an aspiring reviewer myself, I would love to get some insight on what you guys did to help make the writing process a bit easier, what kind of notes you took, how you went about placing a score. I'm currently a freelancer and do a lot of wiki guides walkthroughs, but I would love to break into the editorial side of things and write a review eventually. Any tips would really help. Sure. I mean, some things that I keep in mind while
1: I'm writing is like every sentence should offer some kind of criticism. criticism. Don't just write mechanics. You know, don't write, when you press X, you jump. Like, write, why does when you press X jump good or bad? You know what I mean? Like, think about that. And also write about what the game is and not what you want it to be was something that uh, Joe Juba at Game Informer hammered into my head a lot because I would find myself being like, ah, this would be better if it was like this, but that's not really criticism. That's just like wishful thinking. You know, right, right. Um, So those are those are big ones that I keep in mind as I write reviews. Do you take notes while you play? I do. Yeah. Um, It's funny because they're always different. It's usually just like like I might write a a note that's just like combat or something. And just to kind of remember (laughs) to like you want to you want to address that in your review. I don't really get into details in the actual notes. I wait to get into the details later. But everyone's note taking process is different for sure. Yeah. 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 And do take Uh, notes
5: yeah i was i was gonna say basically just keep a notepad next to you the whole time and i i uh, my notes are always different too they're they're much more helpful than just writing down the word combat uh like kyle but yeah just just basically anything that anything that stands out and makes an impression because those are those are gonna you're gonna forget like 75 percent of them when you actually get to the point where you're gonna sit down and write the review yeah, yeah. Um and, and so once I have once I have all those notes together and I'm ready to write the review, I will usually just kind of make a big list of the points that I absolutely want to make sure that I hit in the interview and then try and or in the review and then try and figure out a a sensible flow that will take me from one point to the next do as you, I go
0: through it. Do you miss writing reviews?
5: Um not really. You know, honestly, I I enjoy the freedom of just being able to have a conversation with other people who have also played it and share criticisms that way.
4: Yeah,
0: uh, Blake, have you written many reviews? You're more of a features man, right?
5: Very
2: few in my career. I wrote a few for Gamespot a few years ago, so I don't necessarily feel qualified to give advice on this. You've written outside. reviews for
0: Gamespot. That seems pretty darn yeah. good, man. You're good, man. I mean, like, I, yourself. I, But also, that was,
2: like, years and years and years ago. I don't even... I haven't flexed that muscle in a long time. But I I feel like I can speak to what I like in a review, which is, like, usually just a personal touch. Like, Mm -hmm. understanding how a game hit that specific person because they were the person that played it, you know? I don't really, like... I guess, like Kyle said, I don't just want a rundown of mechanics. Um, I want to understand, like, what resonated with the person that played the game. Um, So just injecting, like themselves into, rev- a rev- into a review always a always is a plus in my book you know it's not always possible with like some forms of writing like i don't need you to know your opinion in a news post but with reviews like let me know personally what you thought about something outside yeah. of like it looks good or the sword felt fun
3: you know? <laughs> yeah great and then one thing to build on that is that don't get too cut up with this is something that i did uh, early on was mm-hmm. don't get too cut up into what other people might think of it where like even if it's fast paced or whatever or like there if you see yourself as like oh i could see why someone would like this that's not really relevant to your experience like mm-hmm. you don't have to have the correct opinion on something or the opinion that is like well what like what is what what recommendation is most valuable to readers that's like ultimately you're doing them this service because it's that's not a that's a disingenuous take to say like to sort of come, uh, like conclude that, like, well, you know, like some, I didn't personally like it, but I could, you know, like the, the combat seems okay. Like the animations are nice. Like if, if you don't like the combat personally and other people like you, you end up being like the one person that doesn't like the combat, that's fine. Like that's you your, it's your opinion. Don't be afraid to, to go against the grain on that and just have like, be, be confident in the, in where you're at with the game, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, also, there's a very practical advice that, uh, Kyle, I forget if it was your tip or just a tip that somebody told you, but if you ever find yourself writing the word that, <laughs> look yeah, at it and, yeah. and 90% of the time you can remove it and it's a better sentence. And that genuinely has changed the way I write, Kyle. Yeah. Command F, that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, and, and also, once you get done writing the review, uh, challenge yourself to cut like 25% of your word count out of it. Because honestly, every time it's a it's a total pain in the ass to do it, but when you when you finally get it down to being as concise as possible, it's
3: it's always better. Yeah. And fo- focus I, on the yeah. relevant bits, right? Like you don't need a paragraph on why like the menus are kind of hitchy if it's not like a super huge thing, right? Like right. Uh, if it's part of a larger issue of like the UI in this game sucks mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure it out. Uh, then that that's relevant, but it's like uh, you know, th- there was this glitch one time when you know the monsters kind of disappeared from the battle, and I lost that fight. Like, unless it's like a recurring thing or like it's a very minor detail, you don't not it doesn't have to be a a, a bullet list of every feature and your opinion of it.
0: Right, right. Uh, Jake Zielsdorf says, "Do you think review scores for The Last of Us Part Two will be considerably lower than the original, because some number of reviewers will have the story spoiled for them?" Or is there a protocol for removing reviewers if they get spoiled on a game? Isn't that interesting?
3: Uh, I, I don't think that it's going to be a standard protocol. I don't think being spoiled on a game is necessarily criteria for you to not have like a valid opinion of it.
1: That's, I mean, that's like saying someone can't be critical of something because they know how it ends.
0: But right? don't you I mean, think like, that like... Of
1: you're... course you can still have an, a valid opinion about it, even if you knew what was going to happen beforehand. Yeah.
0: But it's clearly going to be impacted, like your take on a game. I mean, The Last of Us Part 1... It's weird to call it that. But that was spoiled for me, and, like, it did not level me the way it leveled most people. And if I was reviewing that game, I think it would affect the score. But
3: but I don't know. Like, it's hard. Like, you can't do A and B testing on that kind of stuff, you know? Because, like i did not have it spoiled for me and i was not as leveled by it as other people were so like it you know who knows what your opinion would have been in the other circumstance so like but if you're someone who's played the last of us i I think if you have like a a good idea of what the story is following up on i don't think being spoiled like it will affect your take. but it's like if the outlet trusts that reviewer to deliver their opinion i think that's it's totally fine because it's like uh, on some level you us being in this industry, we maybe can't avoid that to some degree, and it's it, like it's. I, I don't know that it's like it will change your opinion of it, and people should be aware of that maybe. But I, I think that it's it's totally fine for someone who knows. Like it, it's sort of like if you already know like the ending of a of a movie because you read the book. Like I don't think that disqualifies you.
0: No, but I, I you know, who knows how different outlets would treat it? But I can imagine a situation where it's like, okay, do you want to review this? Like, yeah. It did it was spoiled for me maybe I'm not the best candidate like I could see that happening at an outlet I
2: but what would having it spoiled for for you how would that take away from the impact of that moment or not like you you might understand I mean, that a moment would hit or not for you but I don't think it would like take away from you recognizing the
3: gravity of a moment or a moment being good or bad you know I
0: think it would change it I think it would change
3: you think so? that shock
0: yeah Absolutely. yeah but it,
3: like but that's also an experience that people are going to have like some people are going to be spoiled and also yeah. there's it, it, it can have its upsides in that like you know some someone who went into the story blind was like oh you know maybe they did they didn't set up that ending at all but someone who already knows the uh, like who has already seen the ending and goes back through the game again like with that understanding of like oh at the end this happens they're like well actually they actually did set it up like they were just really subtle about it and there were cues que- along the way so yeah and those two experiences will be different but I don't think one of them is invalid
0: Hmm. Okay. Fleming Caso says, Hey, howdy, hey, Hanson and the Cohorts. Hello. Much like Rotten Tomatoes' score for the 1988 film Mac and Me, what is a video game that you would personally give a rating of 0 out of 10? (laughs) Is it possible for a game to get a 0 out of 10? I mean, at that point, it would just have to be, like, a screensaver, right? Like, non-interactive.
1: Maybe if it just doesn't work. It just never starts. You press start and the game crashes and you can't do anything else.
0: Okay, but genuinely, what if it's, like, Kyle, you need to review the new Naughty Dog game. It's a surprise release. And then you boot it up and they're like, it's a PC game. And then you boot it up and it's just a screensaver of like <laughs> different like Savannah shots. <laughs> hey, what if it's a Rayleigh? What, what if those savannas are super rad? You Yeah, know, I, I don't think I would give that a zero. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you think it's art like, or some nonsense? You
1: know, they're trying something. I hated it, uh, but I, I admire their
0: innovation. <laughs> so what score would you give a green screensaver then, you hack? It mean,
1: depends
3: like on the screen You haven't seen
0: it. Like, what if <laughs> that's a one? That really cool
3: pipe one when it builds, like I, that's like at least a five. That is. A, yeah, but what is a zero? I don't know.
1: That's a good question. Does, I feel does like a
3: zero exist? I don't the know. The closest would be something that I don't know. Something that you just adamantly hate. Like I think hatred is maybe some, like pretty close to that, where it's just like a completely repugnant concept that is not executed particularly well, and just like I, I cannot think of a good reason for anyone to play that game yeah for any reason yeah maybe, um, i mean honestly like maybe
1: if it's like overtly racist or something you know just something that would just huh. like spouts vitriol and just like maybe something like that that just like angers me I like jeff i'm um,
0: screensaver that's right yeah
2: <laughs> hatred was gonna be my answer something like bmx triple x or uh postal or something that represents like the worst of gaming culture and mm. just kind of like culture in general, like that appeals to that lowest common denominator. And it, it, it's that's that a thing that it has
0: to be like all reviews are very subjective, like your own point of view that like this is a miserable experience for me. So I have to write it yeah. in a review like that. Yeah. Um jeff can we start a new show at Min Max where you just review screen savers and you give them scores?
5: Absolutely. Starfield <laughs> 10 out of 10.
0: <laughs> uh JT Fells says Hello, crew. What hobby do you think has endless potential for a full-fledged game? I don't mean a game like the never-ending list of insert-word-here simulator titles. I'm talking high-budget, scripted campaigns, or vast (laughs) multiplayer suites. I mean, obviously, there's like, you know, the Pikmin that came from Miyamoto loving to garden and pick up batteries in his garden. Uh, What other hobbies are there, though?
2: uh, I've been thinking a lot about Guitar Hero and harmonics lately. And their whole mission statement of bringing music making to people who don't play music. And like that is, I mean, it it sounds cool as a tagline, but it's also like the perfect idea. Like bringing music to everyone, even in simplified, kind of rudimentary forms, and allowing them to just like do their own thing with it is super, super cool.
0: Like Wii Music.
2: Exactly. That's right.
0: Yeah.
2: Or Uh, the uh... GarageBand app on my phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun.
5: I know the question specifically said no simulator type games mm-hmm. uh, but I would super like a woodworking simulation game Ooh. where you're just like building you know chairs and different stuff because that that would actually have real world value of kind of if if you could go through because all, all of the that building stuff and like video tutorials and things for that is just kind of a step-by-step rundown of this is what you do next this is how these how you cut this board so that it goes together at this angle and those kind of things, and that yeah. would actually be super helpful.
0: You know what they Jeff need um, to do, though.
1: You know what game you should play, Jeffem? Pickross three okay. D.
5: That has absolutely nothing to do with
1: woodworking. You're chipping away at a block to create something. Space and that and that's doing. how that's how
5: woodworking works.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. That's
0: kind of the problem. If they ship that Are game, you though, Jeffem. Sculpting, Jeff? Kyle. I, I I'll give you sculpting, okay. <laughs> Don't you All right, think, I'll take it, I'll take it. Don't you think, Jeff, that woodworking, let's be honest here, 65% of the pleasure is the smell. <laughs> yes? Yeah. 65? It's a, it's, 65. It's
5: a good smell.
0: So they would have to somehow work that in, like, you know, in the box, yeah. like a scratch and sniff or something that smells like freshly cut wood. Press X to
5: inhale. Yeah, if it if it had a physical release, I guess you could just put the the disc in a pile of sawdust so that oh. when you open it up.
0: Or just make the disc out of wood.
5: Oh. Mm.
0: You know, Jeff, I have a scar on my thumb, and it's from carving a penguin out of wood when I was little. I had a huge knife. I'm like, oh, I'm making a penguin! And then just slice the bejesus <laughs> out of my thumb. But the You penguin were raised
1: was, in Australia?
0: <laughs> that's right. And then the penguin was black and white and red all over. Hello!
1: You pre-wrote that one?
0: I did write uh. that one, yeah, at age 11. <laughs> Um, and that
2: one landed a lot better than the earlier ones. So yeah, hang on. Pays oh, off.
0: We're, we're doing this podcast live, and actually I can see the chat lighting up. It's out of control. Um, anyways, Tyler Carver writes in. He says, who would win in a fight, the aliens from Mac and me or E.T.? My money is on the alien from Mac and me because at some point they're holding actual guns and they're effing crazy.
5: Oh, should I yeah. watch that movie? I think he pushed that kid in the wheelchair down the hill too. So. That's all I know is about Mac and me
0: is the Paul Rudd stuff. <clears throat> uh so yeah, probably the Mac and Me aliens, if they're literally holding guns. I mean, all E. T. can do is mm-hmm. lift a finger and get pale. So he's gotta go Going home.
1: Yeah. For
3: reinforcements.
1: No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> have you you still have not seen that movie, have you, Hansen?
0: Uh just bits and pieces when I was a kid and it traumatized me, so it's the scariest movie ever made and I I, I refuse to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> deepest deepest dive, man. Let's do it. Oh my god. That'd be terrible. We could talk about the ride. That was kind of a sequel. We can talk about the PlayStation game, Return to Planet Green, or whatever it's called. Uh <laughs> Michael Moran says, Hi Menu Force, what's your favorite Tony Hawk pro skater trick?
2: Oh, it's the varial kickflip. Or no, the the hard flip, the double square version. That animation is really good. <laughs> Interesting. It's just, I don't know what it. Is. I think it's a three sixty hard flip. I just really love watching that specific animation.
1: <laughs> it's that.
2: pleasing on my
1: eyes. I get it. Uh, this you know, is... I like. Is it Christ Air where you kind of do the T pose and mm-hmm. spin around? That one always yeah. gave me a chuckle. I like that one. <laughs> the T
3: pose. Oh, oh, so you like laughing at Christ now? Is that what you're it's doing? Hilarious! Wow. Kyle, are you saying Christ is oh, how original? How's the t-pose? comment section doing there? <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of people unsubbing. <laughs> um, it's
0: pretty brutal. Uh, for me, it's very easy because it's, it's right up my alley. The Benihana is basically my name. So the first time I saw mm. that, it's like, well, that's cool. Can you just, what
3: is it? Cool. Can you describe yeah.
0: it? Uh, it's, you grab the board and you, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, <laughs> oh whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Yeah. okay. Right. You take off like a helicopter, I think. Yeah.
3: Pop Shove It is a good name for a trick.
0: That is great point point. and what a great segue Surreal. what nickname here says hello hanson and the electronics adoring acolytes regardless of your feelings about the games themselves what are your favorite game titles a few examples i'm quite fond of are lovers in a dangerous space time sins of a solar empire this guy's into dirty space stuff uh guacamelee and no man's sky and of course the poetic lingual dance that is dragon quest heroes the world's tree woe and the blight below i unironically mm-hmm. love that title so regardless, yeah, of the game, uh, yeah, I had to fit that into a headline at Game Informer. <laughs> I love that. Uh, best game names—is that a fun question? Uh, them fighting is... herds stands out to me lately. That's pretty good. Them's yeah. fighting herds, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I... gonna be no Man's Sky,
5: which No is... Man's Sky
3: is really good. Yeah. 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 What do you think it is
0: about that name that really pops for you? Pop it for you? I
5: don't know. Weird sci-fi cerebral kind of
1: title. Mm. It's also got the apostrophe S and and then another S though. No man's mm. sky. It's true. Yeah, that's
5: true. It's ter- that's terrible.
1: It terrible. I take it. <laughs> it's uh, like the demons' souls. <laughs> it Feels
0: gross to say.
3: Uh, I, I'm kind of with him in the, the vein of stuff like I really like the name Ashes of the Singularity. Ooh. which is like kind of another space strategy sim. Yeah. Uh, is that like
0: the best name genre overall? Mm-hmm. Is the <laughs> space sims genre space
3: 4x stuff? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's either that or stuff like that's really punny. It's like, oh, that's a really good name for that. Like mm. them fighting herds. Um, and then you know, there's the classic stuff like under night in birth, uh, exe late clear, yeah, which is you know, <laughs> just just an outstanding. Really tells you everything you need to know. Absolutely. The
4: uh... I,
1: you know, I was thinking of good names. I I, I never got into that show uh, Scrubs, so I'm not like a fan of the show. But they they're doing a podcast with the two stars. Yeah, uh, I don't know their names. But the podcast is called Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Yeah, you like that? It's like, oh. I love that title. Like I have no interest in listening to it. But is like, it. Isn't it Zach
4: Braff
0: and Donald Faison?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I just really like that title. I thought that was a really smart title. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that is
0: a good title. For That's not bad. Uh, I think of like, you know, in the game, it was very uh, shoehorned in. But I like the name Anthem on its own. I like when a game just has like one strong word where it's like, oh. I've never considered a game being called that, but sure. Uh, but then throughout the game, it's like, oh, these are echoes from the anthem of creation. The anthem of creation. It's just, it's, it's too much.
3: I and like then- it when a name has origins in the title. Really, mm. really does it for me. I like seeing the origin stories of things. So, like just I'll all of those. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm a revelations man myself. I don't know. <laughs> uh, another one. F- you, sir, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we can't believe it. It's live. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> um, but uh, another one for me is Beautiful Joe right
3: that is a really good one
0: yeah it's weird it's evocative it pops it's got it all and hang on yeah the chat is agreeing they're going wild uh, <laughs> with Lewis, what i don't know outrage louis <laughs> kane says after beating uh the seven remake i bought the original game on switch as i've never played it and went back to the old G- game before We're game club and in the first minute of the conversation Joe Juba says and i quote I'm really crossing our fingers for an apocalypse so they stop producing games so I could really work on my backlog. That got me thinking. What predictions have you absolutely nailed? Uh, Or have come back to bite you in one way or the other? I know you love making bets, Ben, with some of the juiciest scores you've had. Okay, thank you, Lewis. P.S. Every single minigame in 7 so far is uh, not good. Well, it was a different era, you know. Later on, the g- <laughs> you haven't tried Mog House yet, man. You're gonna lose your mind. Uh, let's see. So, predictions that you've nailed. Does anybody have one that jumps to mind?
3: Uh, yeah, a few years ago, I predicted that there would be a, a new Smash Brothers game that wouldn't be a port uh, in 2018, and someone on the Game Informer staff called me "quote crazy," uh, and it, they were wrong, and I was game, right.
4: Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Hang on, but it basically is a port. It is
3: absolutely not a port.
4: It's an it enhanced. port. It's
3: not. It's not. Really? It has. It is way more characters. The systems are completely different. If you ask anybody, it is not the There's single a player single mode. Player campaign. I mean, yeah, the yeah. single player mode is completely different. Like it's not. But it, it you, is not a port.
0: But they started with the old project file, I'd imagine, right? And just made a new branch off that sucker. So no,
3: like who knows how many? A whether they did that or B how many Nintendo games start game. that way? Yeah. Is it hashtag not a port.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, it's sorry, it's sorry for bad. calling you crazy. <laughs>
3: it's okay. <laughs>
0: uh, I think of before Force Awakens came out, uh, and I think it was like when we first saw the first trailer, and I made a bet with this sucker named Kyle Hilliard. Uh because I made the bet that's <laughs> just a dumping on
1: Kyle.
3: <laughs> no, I think this <laughs> yeah. I think
0: you you end up winning this one, don't you? From the no, board? I lost this one. Uh, uh, so the bet was I bet that they will turn on the hollow chess board. Hey, Phil Tippett, look at this Grand Connection. They'll turn on the hollow chessboard in Star Wars Force Awakens. And you might say, well, yeah. of course they would do that. But, like, before the movie came out, I think that's a pretty good bet. That's a good 50-50 bet.
1: I mean, yeah, your bet – I think the way you phrased it was, like, they'll focus on it in some way. Like, it won't just be – more so than it it's in the background when yes. they go on the Millennium Falcon. Like, it will be a. F- – it'll turn on. And and it was funny because, like, I was pretty confident. I was like, oh, they got so many other stuff to reference. They're not going to mess with the chessboard. But then, like a few weeks before the movie came out, J.J. Abrams did that thing where he writes a note. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, we're really enjoying making Star Wars," and he like <laughs> put it on Instagram. And the note was laying on top of the chessboard. Yeah, on the Falcon, yep. and I was like, "Oh, I lost this bet." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was very satisfying.
1: Uh, I've got one. Uh, someone claimed that there was going to be a Mario Odyssey two this year.
0: It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be nice. You're crazy. You already think
3: you're right on that one, huh? Look, that was before
0: I knew they were releasing 14 other Mario games this year. What oh. the hell was I supposed to do? Not make an outlandish claim?
1: I have a reminder in my phone to bring it up in November, so
0: fingers crossed <laughs> I can still. I well, can you should change it to December 31st because you never know. You never know <laughs> what these crazy Nintendo releases. Uh, I feel like I predicted that no
5: one was going to give a crap about Google Stadia. Well, I, I can cash that in now
1: right
0: well uh, I, I mean was, you can write the check
1: and you can get in the car to go to the bank but i don't well know. you have to write it kyle because you're oh. the one who kept on saying it was important so no, no 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 don't put this on me hansen is the one who is has all the confidence in. in i got i'm little, rooting no, no, for stadia no, 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 i like no, stadia no. hansen really thinks it's gonna make it kyle no. you
5: said it was gonna be the best thing ever and you've been playing it since pre-release.
0: Yeah, well, he got that from me, and I got it from Blake. Blake kept screaming, Stadia's the future, <laughs> Stadia's the future.
2: I've exclusively played Stadia since ga- games on Stadia since it came out. I actually uh, got rid of my Xbox and PlayStation and sent letters to both companies and said, what are you even doing?
3: Hell yes. <laughs> here's How a picture of me throwing boy, your console out the
0: window <laughs> uh stud muffin <laughs> says a few of us in the entertainment channel on the discord the min max discord which you can access to you for support tier, have been singing the praises of the lord of the rings trilogy which began nearly 20 years ago good god some of us even think they are cinema's greatest accomplishment what say you about the lord of the rings trilogy
2: the movies or the books like sp- i think that
0: yeah the the movies
2: oh I never saw him. I
0: think.
4: What? Stop, stop,
0: stop, 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 stop,
2: I saw, I saw the first one in the first Hobbit, but I didn't see any others.
0: <laughs> what a weird thing to do. What? I mean, you have your head backwards. So you're a cool guy, but just too cool yeah, for Lord but, of the Rings or.
2: Yeah. Well, that actually is the thing is I'm too cool. And lest we forget jocks roll nerds drool. So just <laughs> kind of not my thing. So You know, he's got your there. Yeah, I, I don't want to make it a thing, but yeah, that is, yeah, you
0: know, you are the ultimate thug. Not seeing two towers, hell yeah, that's true. Uh, I have a weird thing where I haven't watched the last Hobbit movie. Every once in a while, I think about like, oh, I just kind of left it at that. That just seems like something I should watch, but I'm not really into fantasy stuff, so I was always like, I saw them all in theaters, I've seen them all several times. I guess I've probably seen extended cut for all of them at some point in my life, but I don't love them. I love the music, yeah. and I love like, I love parts of Fellowship, like, I like when things are a little mysterious. Like, my favorite sequence in Fellowship is still, like, the the spooky horses finding them on that path, and they're, like, hiding below. Like, I love that type of stuff, like, hiding in the woods and stuff. But when it comes into the realms of men cannot stand, uh, I don't care.
2: That's my thing, too, is I just don't really enjoy fantasy stuff. Stuff like fantasy and sci-fi just has never really appealed to me, so I've never got around to watching, like, all 30 hours of those movies.
5: Uh, I like those movies because it's generally accepted that I'm the nerd in my relationship, but for some reason, my wife loves those movies. And so she's made me watch them way more times. It's, it's like every, at least once a year, she'll want to watch through the entire series with her, with, you know, some of her siblings and, and it's, it's fine. I guess I, I, I enjoy, I guess I enjoy the overall series and the, the, Storytelling, but they're like nine hours too long. It's yeah. just. <laughs> I, uh, my I, I, uh, th- I
3: always fall asleep during, yeah. during the marathon. Yeah, my most lucid memory train. of Lord of the Rings is, is falling asleep twice during Return of the King and like waking up in the middle of it. He's like, okay, okay, well, I guess they're going to go do the battle. And then I fell asleep, woke up again. They're still on this fight. Yeah, <laughs> okay, you can, you can take right. like two or
1: three naps
3: and still catch the yeah. ending of it.
1: So. Yeah, the multiple endings.
0: Do you guys think it was funny when Sam said share the load? Was that funny?
3: especially out of context yeah
0: okay um and then he pointed to
3: his butt and that yeah
0: that was weird i mean undoubtedly a hell of an achievement and just a creative vision just how that happened that peter jackson was handed the keys to that kingdom and then not only that but they said yeah go ahead and make them all at once like that deal is one of hollywood's best bets it's just absurd all right hey this is one for you, Jeff. Um, Scott Castro writes in and says, The recent news of the ESRB game description for Cyberpunk 2077, a title that allows you to customize your character's genitalia, uh, gave me a great idea for a new min-max game. Are you ready? It's no. time to play ESRB-have. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, I analyzed the rating summary text for the top 10 most viewed M-rated games on the ESRB website. Hmm. the summary text for the top 10 most viewed m-rated games Uh, these are in-depth descriptions not to be confused with content descriptors such as blood and gore that you see on the boxes so can you guess the 10 most frequently used action verbs in these m-rated summaries some examples that fell just outside the top 10 are quote dismember and quote moan also, an example: If the film Mac and Me were a video game, some of its action verbs might be "quote dance" or "escape." So these are lengthier descriptions, right, of these things in okay. these naughty games. Try and guess the action verbs, the top ten most used. Does anybody have a guess? Uh, shoot, shoot, shoot is number ten. Way to go, Kyle! Right. There we go. It, wow, is, shoot's only ten. Yep. Yeah, that'd be is, higher.
2: Is beheading one of them?
0: No, it is not. Can oh, we decapitate? Nope. Remember, oh, dismember yeah. was one of his examples outside of the range, but no. Uh, sex or sexual? Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that a question or? Um, I... No. Okay. Uh, Stab. Kyle, you're getting warmer, but stab is not Slice? in the top ten. Nope. Pierce. <laughs> nope. Penetrate. <gasps> Violence or sex. Okay, Jeffum. What's the <laughs> difference in your crazy lifestyle? Uh, no, actually, not on here. Really? Okay. Nudity? No.
1: Well, that would be like more of the descriptor, I think. The minute of this. Short yeah. Um, undress. <laughs> no. I think they're going to be violence, man. I think they're all going to be violent. Yeah.
4: Oh, interesting. Inhale.
0: Oh, no. But uh, you're, that's an interesting take. Oh. I think you're warmer on some of them. Vulgar or profanity. Is that a verb? That's no, not a verb. That's uh, not
1: a verb. Yeah. Okay. Vomit. Curse. No. Consume.
0: Oh no! But
1: <laughs> a, a different <laughs> word getting for excited that. Excited about the wrong answer. Drink? A different
0: word. What's that? Drink. Nope. Think. Okay. No. Smoke. 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 Object. No. <laughs> smoke was not. No. Smoke. Okay. Okay. Let's do charades. Ready? Uh.
3: Blood? Headshot.
0: Yeah, but what's it called Explode. when it's like, blah. And then it's like exit, everywhere. Exit wound. No, then it's like around me.
2: Blood splatter.
0: Yes, splatter. There we go. Oh, Number wow. six, splatter. Uh, let's see. If I were to go like this in front of some children.
1: Flash. Nope. Un- well, we tried undress. Exposed.
0: Right? Exposed. Jeff, um, Yeah, a little too on the ready, Jeff. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yep. uh, let's see. Uh... Oh, well, this is a weird one. Oh, what's this over here? Secrets? Over here? <laughs> here is List- number eight. Huh. As in, you, oh, you, you, will, you will hear naughty things, I'd imagine. Uh, okay. Okay, the most basic thing. The thing you do in more video games than anything else for some of those dirty
3: ones where it's re Kill. Kill.
0: Yeah. Kill's number nine. Yeah. Way to go. Oh,
3: kill. Did I say murder? I mean, feels like that's it. I that's don't think so.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Number one is, oh, it's diabolical. It's a very tough word to explain. Um It's the way things are shown. If you're writing a description of something. Depicted. Yes. Depict is number one. Then it's use, engage, assume, attack. Thank you, Scott. Okay. That's
4: okay, An Odd yeah. game.
0: Time bomb Tom says, quick question. Like many others, I enjoy when games push the envelope in a different direction. Do you think with the recent announcement of the new Madden game that they will have side quests in a career mode that will include press events and product placement advertising similar to that of the dancing football players and the birthday party scene at McDonald's and the infamous movie Mac and Me? Okay. What's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> I think the community got together in the Discord and realized that they should slip Mac and Me into every community question. <laughs> I like it I love it Uh, yeah I don't think it will though Uh, Danielle Van Pelt thank you for supporting us Danielle she says hi MinMax I was recently reminiscing and thought back on how much I miss video game midnight releases my first midnight release was Skyrim I remember two of my best friends and I begging our parents to take us uh, and it was freezing cold made a great time so that being said what was your first midnight release and do you have any that stick out as super fun or meaningful to you PS love what you do couldn't ask for a better community Despite the Mac and Me stuff, I assume, Danielle. But thank you for being here. Um, all right. Favorite midnight launches or releases? Uh, I've,
2: only, I've only been to one, which was for Grand Theft Auto Five, And there was someone wearing the same sweatshirt as me. And that's the only person I talked to. So I felt I should get that out of the way first because it wasn't the best story. And I assume <laughs> you all are bringing heat. So now that I've set the stage, let's go.
0: Give us that hot I- ball.
1: I mean, I went to a lot because I was working at GameStop for years and years. Oh, yeah. Uh, but oh, you were like obligated Halo,
3: to go to, lot, to a lot
1: then. Yeah. Like, I went to a lot of Madden ones and stuff. But, like, Halo 2, I think, was a big one for me. Uh, like, went with a buddy and just, like, stayed up all night playing. And, like, there was just, every, it was, like, you I, maybe people forget. Like, that was, like, the most anticipated game, period, like, mm-hmm. in the leading up to it. And uh, so that
3: one stands out for me a lot is uh, Halo 2, for sure. I think my first one would have been the one for the Wii, but I'm not entirely sure. I think everything, that's the one I remember. That's the first one I remember. Hanson is retching over there. I've
0: never sneezed in a podcast after so many hours of podcasting in my life, and it finally happened, and I apologize to everybody.
3: I've been holding back a cough this entire podcast. Uh, The the one I remember most, though, was the time I went to a Mass Effect launch event uh, to get a copy of No More Heroes 2 because they came out the same day. Oh, wow. So I just went, and so, like, they said, hey, everybody who's, like... Uh, I think there were a couple of games that had come out that day, and it was more than that. It was, like, a I think it was, like, a particularly crowded game, so they just said, yeah, this is for Mass Effect too, but if you want to pick up any of the other games that came out today, you, you know, you can just get it. And so, like, when time came, everyone lined up for, in one line for Mass Effect, and it was, like, every other game, get in this line, and I just was, like, the first one in line for No More Heroes, because it was the only, like, is the only because everyone was either there to get Mass Effect or Mass Effect and something else. So they wanted to get Mass Effect out of the way first. Uh, so I was the only one who came in, got my copy of Number of Heroes 2, and then promptly left in front of ahead of everyone who got Mass Effect. Very smart. Yeah. And I felt very cool.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, let's see. I was... Oh my God. What was this? I was on the South Park Stick of Truth cover story trip for Game Informer. And so we were with THQ because they published that first game. Uh, and at some point the PR guy who his name is Neil, um, and now he's like doing a bunch of the PR for square. He was the one who at the E3 presentation, like helped walk us through the battle system for Final Fantasy seven remake, which is very cool. But anyways, uh, he was just talking about like, oh yeah, tonight we're doing some promotional thing for Saints Row three because it's coming out soon. And, uh, it was the night that Skyrim launched. So 11, 11, 11 and Saints Row three, it turns out was launching three days later, four days later. And so he's like, oh, we're going to do some marketing thing where I'm going to dress up like Professor Genki and go harass people in line for Skyrim. Uh, And I was with Dan Reichert, and Dan Reichert said, well, I got to get in on this. That sounds great. I've always wanted to dress up in a mascot costume, and I love Saints Row. And so uh, when that came out, then Dan's like, you need to film it, you need to film it. I remember being a little bit of a stick in the mud, like, this is gross. Like, this feels like kissing THQ ass and You know, ultimately Dan was right because it ended up being very fun. And there's a video, if you go on Game Informer's YouTube channel, just search like Skyrim Professor Genki somewhere on there. Uh and we made this whole video about Dan dressing up as Professor Genki and just harassing people in line for Skyrim. And it was so uncomfortable because I had to like go to these lines and it'd be like, Hey, I'm Ben from Game Informer and we're in um Southern California. Uh gosh, what is the name of that town? Burbank. Uh, yeah, no. What's the of Los City? Angeles. Yeah, South Los Angeles. Anyways, the point is, um, so we're down there and I just had to like interview people in line about, oh, wh- what do you like about the Elder Scrolls? Just pretending to <laughs> pay attention to them because I knew that Dan was then pulling up in this absurd, like, energy drink truck as Professor Genki and, like, jumping out then, like, shooting cannons at them and stuff. And so it's, like, this weird feeling of, like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, as I'm waiting for this truck to come blaring on the horn around the corner and Dan to make an ass of himself and crotch chop everybody in line. But, like, the funny thing is, like, when you're watching the video, it's all well and good because we put music under it and stuff. But in the moment, it was the most uncomfortable thing in the world because it's just Dan in a genki suit not talking just going up to these lovely people and just crotch chopping them uh, and just like harassing them not like physically messing with them but just like you know being obnoxious around them but it was all just silence <laughs> just complete silence because yeah. everyone's looking at him like okay I think it's like that GTA ripoff game I don't know what this is <laughs> no one knows what it is <laughs> but uh, it was a surreal thing so you pick up a copy out. of Skyrim no we didn't actually we just <laughs> left uh holden hints writes in and he says let's talk sneakers what are your shoe situations how many pairs do you own what are your favorites or do your shoes not matter to you uh my favorite pair i own is an adidas street balls pair that are very chunky dad shoes um i don't care at all about shoes or sneakers in any way uh is no, anybody yeah, into sneakers yeah. blake you're a sneaker man
2: I own one pair of shoes and the sole is uh, coming out of it right now. <laughs> oh. It flops a little bit sometimes when I walk. I trip on it.
0: Surreal. Cool. I could see you getting into sneakers.
3: They're way too expensive. Hell no.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I have like uh, I have two pairs. I have one pair that I use for exercising, which is like a, like a pretty standard pair of running shoes, and then I have like a, a like a thing of like Allbirds, which is supposed to be this really like it's supposed to be comfortable and, and large because I have like kind of large feet, and so it's hard to fit in the most shoes uh and so that one's that's basically like a, a glorified sock with a sole on it uh and so that that's like the one that i more or less kind of have to to wear most of the time yeah uh but i think for most occasions i have i have i use one of two pairs of shoes
1: yeah, hold yeah like Ron crew Slip on black vans like i just wear them down and then i buy another pair and just wear them down so i'm sorry we're not excited about You're the best
3: podcast to ask this question i know hell yeah All right, fella, give us your haymaker
5: Right now, Shay is screaming at his computer
0: screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Brian, Shay is very into for, shoes. But for this,
3: not and not for the other reasons he screams at his yeah. screen.
0: God, are you guys watching Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary?
3: Mm. I don't know. Is there an online way to watch ESPN?
0: Uh, I, I've i been watching it off of ESPN.com, but I think you have to log in with like a TV, TV login or something. Yeah. But it is unbelievable. It is so good. And it's one of those things where – you don't realize how nostalgic you are for 90s Bulls because like, I don't really like sports too much, but I like Space Jam. And then you watch and it's like, oh, yeah, I did watch a lot of 90s Bulls. Like this was a huge part of my childhood, especially trying to be cool in middle school in the 90s. Like you had to pretend or feign interest in, uh, you know, the Bulls. And it is incredible. Um, it's so well done. It's a 10 part series. And just like seeing this behind the scenes footage of Michael Jordan just at the height of his game and how Cocky he was, and it's that balance of he's a real dick to all of his uh, teammates, but at the same time he's like, "Well, look, I needed to push them because they weren't going to win unless I was a dick to him So you know what? You know what? Who's laughing now? Seems to be his takeaway. Um, but it is incredibly well done. But the point is, there's an episode where they're talking about shoes. Shea? Talking about <laughs> Brian Shay. We're talking about shoes, and Michael Jordan goes to play at uh, Madison Square Arena, which is his favorite place to play. And because it's his last game there, uh, he's like, well, I'm going to wear shoes that I wore in 1984 when I first started in the NBA. So he wears these 1984 shoes, plays the game, plays like a champ, of course. And then in the interview, he's just like, it was unbelievable. Like, my feet were just blood." on the inside and i could barely walk after the <laughs> game because it turns out like oh it'd be fun to wear throwback shoes but the level of game that he was playing if he's wearing shoes from 1984 it just annihilated him uh oh. so shoes have come a long way so thanks to air jordan i never owned them but they seem cool <laughs> daniel white needs our help daniel white says dear clcs is this joke funny i need to know um who's the funniest person here i have been mean to ask you guys
1: I mean, Jeffum's oh. the funniest writer. Okay, Jeff. Cyril's the funniest tweeter. Blake's right here, Kyle. Yeah, what am I? Just curious. You're a lovely man. Good guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I meant in terms of uh, the, the comedy scale compared to the rest yeah, of so you. Yeah, so anyways, Jefum, oh, here we go. So
0: Daniel White writes in and he says, Hey, I was at a friend's house playing Jackbox, and the game honestly escapes my memory, but the premise was what something really scary a newscaster in a tornado could say. This is Griplash, by the way. So, what's something really scary a newscaster in a tornado could say? And my response was, there's going to be a fourth Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> and nobody laughed. Am I funny? He asked. It made me laugh. <laughs> it made <Okay>. Kyle's, but <laughs> Kyle's a sweetheart. You'll give it to him, Jeff-um. Yeah. solid Congratulations. Solid four. Scott, or Daniel, sorry, we, we love you. Thank you for your support. I'd give the joke a four. Yeah,
5: I mean, but... When you're on the line and quip you know. But at least it wasn't just, "Oh, here's a fart."
0: But it's not like, "Oh, I just fart. winged this thing." It's then I am so in love with this, I need to write into the podcast to have them weigh in on it. So he's committed. I, mean, well,
5: well, I read it more as an existential crisis of him kind of just revalidating his uh, entire life. Okay, so hmm.
0: interesting. Like, I, don't have to go that far.
1: I I don't like it as a burn on Indiana Jones. I don't think that's funny like that the joke that like the the last movie was not good so that means yeah. the next movie is gonna be bad like that that's not funny to me but the random Nate the idea of a weather reporter being concerned at all about Hollywood in any way during a tornado is what's funny to me okay yeah,
3: I think yeah it not being it being unrelated there is the joke but maybe there's like something there, there's a way you could workshop a, a much better version of that joke
0: there. okay all right uh Bryce Cuniff says I have a golden birthday coming up I'm over 21 and I live alone since I'm going to be stuck inside celebrating, what are some ideas you have to help me celebrate? Congratulations and happy birthday, Bryce. What's a golden birthday again? It's like you turn the age
1: of the month of the year your birthday, or month of. The day. Right? Wait, so the you day? had
0: one and you didn't realize it?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Because I'm 23rd and I turned 23. I, didn't, I don't think I'm bad at an eye.
0: Oh, weird.
1: I'd never heard of golden birthdays until recently. My kid told me about them. What
0: are you talking mm. about? You, nobody in your family was like, hey, it's a golden your birthday. Your brother is obsessed with dates and birthdays. He's like, he invented astrology and he did not mention this to you? I've never heard
3: of it until recently. This is literally the first time I've heard of this.
0: What? Yeah. I, yeah. It might be a Minnesota thing. This
1: is, are you out of your this mind? This sounds like no. the dumbest astrology
3: bullcrap. It's I, not I'd
0: astrology. It, I was connecting that just because your brother's obsessed with that stuff. But what? That's a very common thing.
3: That's so the idea is that like when I I was born on January twentieth, so my twentieth birthday would have been my golden birthday.
1: Yes. And you blew it. Hang Are out. you familiar okay. with this, Blake?
2: No, I've never heard of this, but your brother invented astrology? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he's a smart guy. Um oh. I think Wait. it's a Minnesota thing or a Midwest thing. I'd never heard of it before. Hang I've up. never heard of it. Bob Buell I, in I was
2: the born chat. on the third, so maybe we had a slam jam. <laughs> remember and I just, your
3: golden your golden?: birthday. Oh, I Yeah, know.
2: I mean it, it might have been. been. A
3: golden baby shower is what you had, I think.:
2: <laughs> Yeah, three years <laughs> late.:
0: <though. laughs> OK, Bob Buell in the chat has never heard the term. Matthew Pax has never heard it. Shortest straws from Ohio, he's never heard of it. Jolly Good then has never heard of it. William Garcia is from the West Coast. He's never heard of it. Jake is from California. He says, I've used this term. OK. So it's a Minnesota okay. and California thing. What the hell's going on? My world is shattered. It's like a duck, duck, gray duck. Crap. Right. Well, that's everybody knows that's where you double the numbers in the birthday, and then that's your duck, duck, gray duck birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mine will be mm-hmm. when I'm uh, tr- thirty. I don't know. Anyways, the point is uh,
3: when you're thirty.
0: Sometime <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> I didn't do the math ahead of time in my head. Okay, but how can Bryce celebrate here?
1: Order some really good food from like a
3: takeout restaurant yeah, yeah. make yeah. it a local one yeah you can.
0: yes and then um get some get your favorite beer and watch the last dance <laughs> the one of the greatest <laughs> sports documentaries of all time uh and watch michael jordan do really cool stuff with his tongue hanging out no oh, watch mac and me i'm sorry <laughs> that's right i meant watch mac and me the ultimate last dance when those aliens <laughs> dance in <laughs> mac and me
5: And then 12 hours of lord of the rings And take a nap and you're good.
0: You got it. Happy golden birthday. Taylor Owen says, have you noticed that Final Fantasy VII Remake still doesn't have one patch? After 15's post-launch, I expected this game to get a bunch of small tweaks and little DLC items, but it hasn't. Do you think it's due to coronavirus? I saw people online complaining that Square was incompetent for releasing a game without a day one patch. So I guess things have come full circle. I love that idea. I haven't even thought about that. But I know I don't, that, like... Why would you complain about that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people want the tor- door texture fix and stuff, but that is really interesting. I know that, like, Dragon Quest Eleven took forever before it got patched. I don't even know if it has at this point. So I don't know if it's a square thing, but I guess Fifteen was constantly trickling stuff out, so... Uh, I don't know. There, there, and there, they just decided there.
3: against that after Fifteen kind of failed on that front. There was just like no more patches after this game came out. Who knows? Uh, Alex mean, people Br- might also not be in the office too. I mean, that could totally.
0: Could be. Yeah, uh, you know. Alex Bernegard says throughout the storied history of gaming, there have been dozens of iconic characters, but perhaps even more plentiful have been the knockoff characters hoping to cash in on the success of their inspiration. Most of the time, they're forgetful and otherwise hollow. However, a few of them normally do find their footing, much like the titular Alien and the cult classic Mac and Me, which surpassed expectations <laughs> and became so much more than an E.T.-inspired McDonald's commercial. Are there any characters or games that wear their inspiration on their sleeve, but you still find charming and enjoyable in their own right? Mm. The rip-off mm. characters that you love.
1: I mean, I guess, like, Gato Roboto, which is just like a wholesale Metroid Rip off, like not right. even pretending it's blah, but it's I, like that's more of a genre thing than like a character I and
0: now there's a huge distinction between homage and ripoff yeah don't you think yeah yeah I mean it's yeah that's
1: it's more of an homage for sure I feel uh, yeah, like I
2: Joel and Ellie are directly lifted from like lone wolf cub and boy and son or guy and son from the road it's and just, just kind the of like thrown in a blender right. and I love those characters I think they're great um but I mean, it's like hard to. They kind of wear that on their sleeves, though. I think Neil and the, some other people have talked about both those influences at length.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, there's the, uh, yeah. The, the,
3: the there's the classic uh, Dan situation, who's a who's a who's a rip-off of Rio from uh, I think one of the SNK fighting. It's not coming. I'm having a brain fart. But it there's a character in SNK games called Rio. I think Sazaki, who's a ripoff of Ryu, who's he's kind of like their parody of Ryu in the SNK games, and then Capcom ripped him off and called him Dan and made him the worst character in the game. So I think Dan is up there in terms of like wholesale ripoff, but there's like a fun extra layer on top of that. Right, right. It's be funny because they, uh, they don't wear them on their sleeves because none of them have any. It's <laughs> <laughs> true.
0: Also, I mean, could you count like all the ninjas in Mortal Kombat as kind of ripoffs? I mean, I know it's the same game. So can like you rip confusing.
3: off? Can you rip yourself off?
0: I don't know Let's find out You repeat yourself You don't rip yourself off I I guess guess that's true Yeah I I I recently
2: learned That Max Payne 3 Is like a beat For beat Rip off of The Denzel Washington movie Man on Fire So perhaps Rockstar's version Of Max Payne 3
0: Yeah Max Payne and me I don't know
2: Max Uh, on Fire
0: Yeah Uh What You are doing something Bizarre with Friend of the show Uh Jacob Geller? Yes About That's right What is this
2: Yeah uh It was a a tier for a charity stream we did to raise money for um, medical workers who are fighting COVID. One of our tiers was Jacob and me would start a Max Payne 3 retrospective podcast, which is kind of like the deepest dive you all do where it's, you know, play a chunk of the game, record a podcast, play a chunk of the game, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Um, it was, it's called something rotten. It's in the normal game query feed where we actually just dump all our podcasts. It's probably very confusing for anyone who subscribes to that. <laughs> um, but we're actually continuing it uh, and announcing tomorrow what our next game is going to be. But like the Ooh. series has moved from just Max Payne 3 to focusing on this weird genre of bleak, nihilistic games that there were like a ton that came out in the PS3 era of just like really bad, awful dudes doing really awful things uh, and we're gonna go through them all
0: what uh do you have another example
2: um mafia 3 is one we've talked about okay. grand theft auto 4 another one we've talked about grand theft auto 5 while we're at it uh Kane and lynch max Payne 3 I, there's a lot more when you sit and think about it yeah that these games that are just very very bleak and violent and yeah, I'm really excited about it.
3: Well, yeah, I, I've been enjoying that series for what it's worth. I've, I've I haven't. i am not even playing Max playing three, and I'm just following along, and it's, it's been pretty. Yeah, cool. thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I,
2: I really like doing it.
0: Right on. Uh, this is uncanny. Brandon Sylvia wrote in from Easygoing Gaming. He says, "I got a controversial Metacritic ratings game for you. I'm going to list out five games along with their Metacritic ratings. For each game, I'd like to hear if you think the rating is too high, too low, or adequately rated. Uh, Mafia 3. This is number one here at 68. Too low, too high, adequate.
2: It feels adequate, but I also think that game gets a bad rep. Like, I think it did a lot of interesting things. It was just bogged down by a not great experience. Like, everything that wasn't the story was kind of difficult to get through in terms of the gameplay and all the open world stuff. That, like, I I feel that score. But also, like... I think it was doing a lot of things. It doesn't get enough credit for narratively.
0: Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. We were talking about it, I think in the great Goaty Hunt stream, but on that cover story trip, I remember talking to the writer, but like, okay, 1968, obviously pivotal time, but I was talking to the writer and I was like, are you going to have every character on the sidewalk? Just going to be talking about big events that happened in 1968. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, that's what you do. And I was like, but yeah. if you walk around on the streets, how often are you hearing people be like, "Oh boy, there's
3: coronavirus." Even now, when it's I like, feel like I feel like you would, but I mean, but all the now it's crazy. You can't but, walk around and just listen to people. I bet if I just walked around and listened to people, like a l- real creeper,
0: around the streets of Minneapolis with a mask on, I'm yeah, really a, get a, close to them right now. Yeah, they're yeah, like within six feet. But walked know? around <laughs> and really an, listen to what they're saying. But for an entire day, I don't know if I would just happen to chance by somebody talking about current events. I feel like that's pretty rare.
3: Don't you think? I disagree.
0: But you're not about current events.
3: I think it'd be like you would have mm, think you would have a. I think you'd have a 40, 30 to forty percent chance. Okay, there it is. Thank you. I Surio. have
5: I have heard people in my neighborhood when I've been on walks and heard them talking about, you know, coronavirus stuff.
0: Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe so it's a bad time wrong. to bring up this. And example. also,
5: race relations in the '60s.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no. uh, look at this. another game. He lists GTA 4. Isn't that crazy you just mentioned those? Uh, so GTA 4 is at a 98.
2: That game's amazing.
0: 98 That's, amazing?
2: Yeah, that game is phenomenal. I mean, it's not easy to go back to because, like, I mean, Rockstar has finally made games that almost feel good to play and GTA 4 was not one of those. Yeah, But that game's incredible. It's not my favorite Grand Theft Auto, but it's the best Grand Theft Auto by a long shot, in my
1: opinion. And it's worth looking at the opening
0: that again. Like, that opening sequence is so good.
1: Probably yeah, more, but not by much. Yeah. I, yeah. I would call it my favorite Grand Theft Auto, like pretty easily. Yeah. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Not too much competition is four.
2: I think my favorite's five, just be kind of like nostalgia I have around it, like me and my friends playing it at that time. But I definitely recognize that four is the best of the series.
0: All right, Kyle, this one's for you. Resident Evil 6 at a 74. Oh. Um,.
1: I think it could go a little lower. Not yeah. much, though. Okay. Maybe maybe like I'd 70, like at that 69-70, because it's like a line between 69 and 70 where it's like passable and
0: like actively bad, yeah. I feel like. Okay. And uh, it's straddling that. because I mean, yeah. So a little lower even, I'd right. say, on that one. Jeff, um, here's a layup. Here's a Michael Jordan layup for you, buddy. Day is gone. 71.
5: No, it feels pretty
0: good. Really? Oh, I know you love that game. I thought you'd want to boost I,
5: it. I do, I do. But I think, I think in terms of the larger kind of community and what I, I, I mean that that almost sounds a little high for what people were, for people's attitude towards that game right. before it came out.
0: A lot of snobs there. And so, in there.
5: and so just kind of being average open world game. I mean, yeah, I sure. like it more than that, but
3: feels about,
0: right? All right. Uh surreal death stranding at an 82.
3: Uh that feels about that feels about, right that to me. That feels about right yeah. to me too.
0: Uh Blake, what do you like for question of the week? Did one of these pop out for you?
2: I really like that last one. Um maybe it's just cuz I'm doing the Max Payne show, but I'm really interested in like revisiting things critically. Okay. So that, that question really stood out to me.
0: Nice. Any other questions stand out to anybody else? Uh, I like that one. I, I actually
1: also liked it was less in depth, but I like the like good game names, like yeah. ignoring the sort of element of what the game is, just focusing on its name. I yeah. I like that one too. I mm-hmm. like that
0: too. I like the minute release one. Uh, I like the predictions. We nailed one, but I like video game names too. Are you guys down with that? It's a sure. And Jeff, I said, sure. Love it. <laughs> witty nickname here thank you so much for supporting us on patreon and i am 8-bit we'll ship you out these wonderful little buddies uh, that have like bendable legs you can wrap them around whatever you want have a good time there with nickname here thank you so much for <laughs> your support uh, and uh now it is time for a little something we call get a load of this oh by the way blake we do something called get a load of this that i forgot to ask <laughs> i know i listen to before. the show i'm Did a patreon supporter I've thank you so it. much by the way what and you have one ready to go
2: no, I'm going to think of one while you all are doing <laughs> yours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but right. I I
5: know what the
2: segment oh, is. Oh, <laughs> good.
0: All right. Uh Jeff, you got one, dude?
5: Uh yeah. Get a load of this. I I can't say much about it. You're just going to have to put the link in the bottom Ugh. uh or in the description. Oh. Uh but it is a it is a it is a commercial that someone that someone shared on the Discord. Um it is a commercial for a product that is targeted towards women uh and it just absolutely blew my mind as well as everyone else who has has seen like this tweet cut of it kyle you're nodding your head you I probably think I know, exactly know what it is
4: about,
5: yeah. but w- when you watch the video you will not in a million years guess what it is a commercial for and if, if you actually watch like the full commercial because the the tweet version kind of cuts it off right at the reveal of what it is the the full version is slightly better but it's it's just a it is a company taking a big whiff on on an idea that they they want it to be Val, you know, right. very touching and
3: important look for it don't google it like i think the best way to access it would be directly through the link yeah. in the show description yeah. just uh, okay. it's a thing you don't want to be spoiled on. i
1: think i think we can <laughs> yeah. say
3: though like the, the if,
1: if it is a commercial thing about it's all about empowering young women and getting them okay. to get into science and math and recognize why women should be inventors and stuff like that it's a really yes. good message up
3: front for uh, an okay. unexpected product.
0: What a cryptic thing. Yeah. Uh,
3: Surreal, you got one? Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to use this real quick as a, as a way to talk about how uh, Evo recently announced that after canceling their their main event, basically, they're, they've announced uh, Evo Online, which is, um, they've changed the lineup, which is actually, we were talking about it earlier on the show, uh, la- I think, co- either last week or a couple weeks ago about how uh, people were kind of lobbying them for to to switch to something that uh, to switch the games with good netcode, and that's exactly what they ended up doing. Uh, mm. So they're having uh, exhibitions for all of the mainline games that they had before, except for Super Smash Brothers. Uh, since I guess the the kind of the community consensus is that the online in that game is bad enough that they don't they like they wouldn't really take it seriously at all. Yeah. Um, and so the four games now are actually they the the front runner now is Mortal Kombat 11, oddly, which was not in the main lineup before. That's uh, interesting. And so now it's. Mortal Kombat 11, them's fighting herds, which it, which seems like that's huge for them to, yeah. to now be the this one of the central focuses of Evo, uh, Skullgirls and Killer Instinct, which are like four. I think all of those are developed uh, in the U.S., which is pretty rare for Evo, uh, and they all have like some of the best netcode out there. And you know, them's fighting herds is kind of building off Skullgirls netcode in a lot of ways, but. Um, that I think that's like the, the right move for them, and I think that's really cool, and I'm excited to play because I actually I do legitimately want to play some of all of them. Yeah. And so they're having these giant online uh, open bracket tournaments for all of them. So that's can, really like, cool. It's weird because it's like here's the biggest tournament in the world. You can just sign up and play at home if you want. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Uh, Kyle, sir. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Uh, and this might be one of those things that's interesting to me. Maybe you, Hanson, but I'll read the tweet and then maybe we can try and guess who tweeted it. Okay. Uh, I woke up strangely and unusually sad this morning and it took me a while to realize why. Last night I finally finished The Last of Us. No more Joel, Ellie, Clickers, or Fireflies. I shall miss being them slash suiting them. What should I play next? Anything as good PS4? So, uh, that tweet comes from Wait, 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 host- no, wait, wait,
0: wait, don't tell me. Um, okay. I forget his name.
1: Other podcast. Do you want me to just... just- yeah tell you please or do you want to try to guess i think you should Can i guess me.
3: yeah of course is it paul Shear? <laughs> no, no no uh
1: it is the host of wait wait don't tell me on npr peter sagel mm-hmm. which was like i don't know i haven't listened to wait wait don't tell me in a while so maybe he's always talking about games but i was like what yeah. i don't know you played video games at all <laughs> i do mean people I tell nothing, really,
3: what was that did people tell him there's a sequel? I'm sure they yes, told him. Yeah, a them lot the the ending ending is of people recommending recommending
1: <laughs> um, God of War and letting him know a sequel is coming out. And then I jumped in there because uh, I didn't really see anybody to tell him to play Uncharted 4. Like no one was recommending yeah. Uncharted 4, which was so strange to me.
0: You but... know, sometimes people like celebrities and stuff—they're just like us. They play games. like they're us, They're real man. people. That's really cool. Is he a celebrity to everyone? Hell yeah! Oh
1: yeah. I see so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Uh, hey, uh, I don't know. Surprise me.
0: Get a load of this. Uh, everybody's thinking about Seinfeld a lot this week uh, with the passing of Jerry Stiller, uh, oh. George's dad. It's very sad. Um, before that happened, Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, had an Instagram live stream that was on her YouTube channel as well. She started up her YouTube channel, which has like 4,000 subscribers. So if, Julia, you want to be a guest on Min Max, please come on by. We'll help you promote your YouTube <laughs> channel. But Hell she did yeah. like an hour-long discussion to raise money. Uh, but it was with Jason Alexander, and it was just them telling old Seinfeld stories, which I can't get enough of. It's just oh, fantastic. And they told the story about the episode with Elaine's dad, which he's kind of like that gruff guy. And he's like, quit whistling that song, George, all that stuff. That's was, that was like season one. It's right? pretty early. Yeah. yeah, I watched
3: that episode recently.
0: Oh, really? Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, that guy apparently played a lot of gangsters uh, in like the 30s and 40s. And they said that, you know, they cast him and he was there. And he did not seem to understand that it was a comedy. Like he said, they said that when they started rehearsing, every time you'd say a line and get a laugh, the audience would react and laugh. And he would like, look at them, like Like angry at them (laughs) for laughing at what he said. They said he was just a nightmare. And then as they were filming, they started to notice that things were just disappearing off the set. And they (laughs) pinned it down to like, this old guy is stealing all this stuff off the set. And they said that they had like a knife on the set that was like in the kitchen or wherever it was. Uh, and then it disappeared. And then they could see it like in his coat. And so they went over to Jerry and they're like, Jerry, the guy, like, he stole the knife. Like, I don't know what this old guy's doing. And so then Jerry Seinfeld just goes up to this crazy old man and goes, Hey, what's with the knife? And the guy like realized that he was caught, and then like tried to pass it off like a joke, and like pulled the knife out, and then did like re 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 like fake psycho to try and like pass it off as a joke. <laughs> yeah. But he was trying to steal a knife from the set, so that's why <laughs> Elaine's dad never came back in Seinfeld because he was a weirdo. nice. Wow. Yeah. So check out uh, spoilers. Yeah, some spoilers. <laughs> check out that. YouTube sorry, video, sorry. I, guess. I know you're really invested in that character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. Know. He uh, was my favorite one so far. Blake, did you have one? No pressure if you don't.
2: I got one. Please. Uh I, I, I want to shout out a writer I've really been enjoying that I think more people should check out. His name is Ryan Hollinger. Uh he does his like focus is just like analysis and criticism of horror movies, but specifically like ones that don't often get much analysis or critical attention. He has a really good one on the Poughkeepsie tapes that just came out. He has like one of the maybe best takes on cannibal holocaust that i've read huh. um so he's like he gets really into the minutiae of weird horror and things that is are largely passed over by like critical consensus or more mainstream critics so his youtube and then he does things on like misery and you know the exorcist um he has a video on tusk red state yoga hosers Ooh. and kevin smith right now. all right
0: well i guess i gotta watch that because i can absorb yeah. all things he, kevin smith he's
2: really really good um i really like the way he dissects things cool his his youtube is youtube.com user slash hi my name is ryan or hi my name's ryan okay great we'll have a link below for everybody
0: that's sweet jeff do you have a community get a load of this
5: yeah hey get a load of this uh hansen what's what's the answer to the question of life and the universe
0: 42 rule 42 42, right Yeah. which
5: everyone assumed was just a joke from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, but Rob Hudak posted a tweet from someone who was quoting this. Uh, I don't know what this article is from. But uh, it's talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and how the answer is 42. And it says that Douglas Adams, the writer, was an unabashed computer nerd and knew a lot about programming. And apparently, um, in programming, uh, the, let's see here, an uh, asterisk was used, was commonly used to translate as whatever, whatever Dude. you what? want. They don't want us to know. Yeah, it's Jeff, you, you, us just us just you just broke up. You just turned know. into a kid's uh,
0: electronic piano. ...to
5: be in programming language, an asterisk is kind of this. And in ASCII, it's the computer programming software, 42 is the designated
3: asterisk.
0: Okay. We don't
3: know if you're done talking. I'm sorry, Father, but the entire... I still here? Your entire message is just turned into, like, dial-up noise Yeah, so
0: 42 is an asterisk. Is that the point? Are you back? Yeah.
3: You're normal again, yeah.
1: Okay, (laughs) great,
5: yes. Uh, So 42 is an asterisk. And so people are saying that actually Uh, it was a much deeper joke. I think that's um, now
0: they're reading into it too much, but that's very cool. We have a bonus episode of the Game Informer show you can find in the archives where it's all about Douglas Adams and his history with video games, uh, which I think was very fun uh, back in the day. So check that out. Uh, And again, those community get a loads of this are from the get a load of this channel, which is a never ending stream of interesting things in the community discord. Um, But hey, Blake, thank you for being here, sir. Anything you'd like to plug? Sure.
2: I mean, thanks for having me. I was super. I was super excited when you all asked. Um, I'll yeah, just plug the usual things. You can follow me on Twitter at Metallica is rad. It's a super easy uh, Twitter handle to remember. It's if perfect. you ever forget, just think to yourself, what is Metallica? Metallica is rad. Um, <laughs> Is it is it is it is it a faux pas to plug my podcast on a
0: podcast? I will no, be outraged. Go for it. Yeah, that's the point.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, please listen to Game Query. I think we do super interesting, cool things. Like we have zines and a whole three different shows you can listen to, and a bunch of free stuff to read and art that we put out. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, it's awesome. And then uh, most of my writing is found on Polygon, but. If you want to check out the stuff I've done for them and other outlets, you can go to my portfolio website, which is Blake Hester, H-E-S-T-E-R dot rocks. So if you ever forget the name to that, just think, what does Blake do? Blake Hester rocks.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Well, hey, thanks for being here. You're welcome back whenever you'd like, sir
2: cool i'll be here next week
0: okay sounds good <laughs> uh and thanks to our 50 dollars supporters on patreon that's captain Stubbs, one i made Pitchwar. hello rob hudak zachary pliggy beating down brian the smack mark selga andrew Valla, merco rico torreno jesse vitelli Yaro, michael jacques adam walker ludwig roque adam sanford matthew paxton and james smith and david lacalucci thanks so much everybody be good have fun let's go